What's up, Whisper Nation? You're listening to our full in-depth matchup show. Of course, if you want to listen to this show after week four, it will be exclusively on Patreon. So make sure you get over to Patreon and subscribe. At the $1 level, you can get our audio uh, of the full matchup in-depth show. We go team by team for every fantasy-relevant player. For $5 level, you can get the video so you can see our beautiful faces do it as well. So head on over to Patreon.com, search the Fantasy Whisperers today. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Right here. What's up, Whisper Nation? We are here doing week two matchup rundown with the crew, the Fantasy Whisperers. I'm Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at Big Travi TFW. And as always, I'm joined by the Sultan of Stats, the Master of Metrics, Summy. Welcome back for week two. What is up, Travi? Super excited to be back on the horn with you guys for week two after an exciting week one and uh, really jump into kind of what we learned and, and what we can expect. I know you got to be geeked. We finally have some data to yeah. look at and really pick apart here. And we're not looking at last year's data and trying to predict and project out what's going to happen, but instead knowing what's going to happen or, or you know, having a better educated guess. Yeah, at least try to predict the future a little bit. You know, that's yeah. what we are. We're just glorified uh, fortune tellers over here with call, fantasy. Call me Samsonite. <laughs> On the other mic, <laughs> of course, second. is my buddy, my, my best friend, a co-founder, Johnny Game Time Hicks. Wait a second. You I, guys, couldn't let you, I couldn't let you interrupt that intro, dude. It was too good. <laughs> Hold on. You guys are telling me that you guys don't just use the magic eight ball like I do every single week when people ask me for advice. <laughs> Man, I've been doing it wrong this whole time. Whole time I've been doing it wrong. Will Johnny finally win this week? Hey. Ask again later. Dang it. I can't even get it. <laughs> uh, I can't. See, I tell you, it, it's pretty oh, accurate yeah. most of the time. That's what I'll tell you. Well, that's what we're here to do. We are trying to tell the future as best we can based on the numbers and the analytics that we see. Yes, we like to have some fun with it. But look, listen, we're here to play fantasy football, win some cash, win some leagues, talk some shit, uh, get some stuff done uh, in our leagues. And what better way to do that than to look at the numbers and the metrics that we have and so without further ado, let's jump into this. We go team by team. Uh, every fantasy-relevant player you can think of, we're going to discuss. Without further ado, we're going to do Thursday night's Battle of the Heisman Trophy number one pick quarterbacks. The battle for Ohio. We've got Cleveland hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a 44-point over-under from Vegas. They've got, you know, Cleveland favored by five and a half here, Summy. And some of the things that we're looking at here is, will this Cleveland passing game ever get going? Uh, how does that running back breakdown work? Are you frustrated? Uh, some of these things we've got to look at. So without without uh, putting it on too much here, so, I mean, let, let us know how you're looking at Baker Mayfield on this passing attack, first of all. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, the line is actually, uh, this is my fault. I didn't update this um, in our notes here, but the line's actually been pushed up and, and the Browns are actually uh favored by six points now six and a half points somewhere um so i think that signals you know it's a, some some confidence and a bounce back here for uh for cleveland uh you know for me personally i it's tough man because there's so many injuries uh on this offensive line you know the the, the new old line that they tried that kevin Stefanski tried to put together for baker and for this uh for this new offensive scheme they they seem to be banged up the secondary's banged up so 
it's it's really tough for me to see Baker getting back into form this week. I mean, if you look at last week, just 46.9% of his passes were deemed accurate. And I get it. You know, he was up against the Ravens uh, in a harsh environment. And it's really tough to play on the road, uh, you know, when you're playing the Ravens your first game of the year. But uh, I truly do think he's, uh, if, you, if you watch the game, he's still spooked. He's, he's bailing out of the pocket when, you know, he could stand and deliver. And I think that's, that's kind of been the knock on him now where he's just uh, inside his own head. But, I mean, I'm not really too worried about the, the running game here, though, because I know a lot of Nick Chubb owners were, were freaking out last week, right? Uh, myself being one of them. Uh, you have to understand that Nick Chubb has never been game script proof, right? He's, he's never been that guy like Saquon, like Zeke. Uh, even though he could be, he has that potential. But it it just gets harder when you have a, an elite talent like Kareem Hunt in the backfield there. You guys have to keep in mind, Kareem Hunt, he led the league in rushing his rookie year. So this guy, is, he, he's, a special, he's a special talent. So it gets harder to separate yourself from, from a talent like that. Um, and if they have Kareem Hunt, they paid him, they're going to use him. So uh, we didn't see as much involvement with, uh, with Kareem Hunt. I mean, the production we didn't see last week. But I do think that Kareem is a is a weekly flex play, uh, regardless of game script. I think he will be involved to some capacity. But I think Nick Chubb is really going to need the game script to go in his favor to really uh, hit those ceiling weeks. Um, as far as the passing game goes, I mean, what do you guys think about this connection between OBJ and uh, and Baker? Johnny, what are you what are you feeling about that? Are you confident? Uh, I am not. Uh, I mean, certainly it will take tomorrow. But if you are getting 10 targets and you're only able to complete um you know sorry uh, very few of those targets then what uh three receptions on 10 targets that is definitely not acceptable it you know it shows that either you know both him and baker are not on the same page we were going and willing to forgive it last year uh due to the fact that you know new team all of that chemistry obj was injured Okay, now it's all all of that is is aside. I understand it's a new playbook, but we've got to start seeing be put together. Who would have ever thought we'd ever see the day where we wish we would have Eli Manning throwing uh, OBJ the ball again? Uh, this is unbelievable. Uh, but Baker has to show it. If he doesn't show it tomorrow, I'm full panic mode uh, for OBJ. As far as Landry goes. I'm more excited uh, about Landry. I understand he's got the hip issues. Um, you know, I probably wouldn't play him in this game. However, I do think that moving forward, he's probably going to be the wide receiver you're going to want for. I don't know if it's going to be OBJ. Less OBJ can show me something tomorrow night. Yeah, and uh, you know, Landry's also, uh, you know, his reps are being managed. He's coming off of a short week, and he's being asked to play on a Thursday night. So I'm a little bit more averse from Landry this week, just like you said. Um, yeah, Let I totally agree. This, Sammy, would you be more willing to play? Um, do you think I, I should ask this? Do you think OBJ's ten targets are because they're managing Jarvis Landry back in the lineup? Do you think that Landry, once he plays a full slate of routes? is going to actually command more targets here. Uh, no, I mean, like, look, if you look, uh, the snap count, I mean, OBJ had 75% of the snaps, 55 of them. Landry was not too far behind with 52 snaps, uh, 71%. So, I mean, he was out there. Um, he just, these two guys are pretty much the only options on this offense. And then Austin Hooper is going to be a third read uh, when Kareem Hunt's not on the field. So uh, I think this offense is going to be funneled through these two receivers. So I'm not too concerned with the volume. I think that 10 target range is about what we can expect, eight to 10 targets a week for both of these guys. Um, 
I think it just comes down to the production, right? It just comes down to whether OBJ can connect uh, with with Baker, and if Baker's not a scared little child running out of the pocket every single yeah, I drop mean, back. That's, you know? that's I have this be... feeling. I have this feeling that this offense is going to take like six weeks to get going. We've got yeah. to remember Stefanski's first ch- job as a head coach of a team. Uh, I I don't want to give Baker too many outs every year, but like he's learning another new playbook again. Um, so that's, that has something to do with it. And tough draw to play Baltimore your first week. Uh, last final uh, thing here on Cleveland, Austin Hooper, worth another start for you guys? Are you are hanging on for one more start here to see with David Njoku out of the picture? Tommy. Um, Austin Hooper, I'm, he's not the sexiest option. I mean, if there's better options on the waiver, like Logan Thomas, for example, um, I'm, I'd be willing to play Logan Thomas over Austin Hooper just because of the volume he's going to be seeing. Uh, I think he was second about, amongst all tight ends in terms of target market share, which is, you know, kind of sneaky value there. Yeah. But um, I mean, one okay, thing I just Greg wanted Goddard, to add on Dallas Goddard, would you would you be playing those guys over Austin Hooper this week? Who who's the first one, Dallas Goddard or or uh, Greg Olson? Yeah, I mean, Greg Olson's the third read in that offense, right? We saw the connection that he and uh, Russ have, and if they let Russ cook more, I mean, 40 pass attempts, 38 pass attempts a game. I like that opportunity with Russell Wilson as a quarterback, and then Dallas Goddard. I mean, I actually just spent a uh, waiver on him because I had uh, Blake Jarwin in one of my leagues, and I think Dallas Goddard, I mean, with with all the uncertainty surrounding Ertz as well, I mean, if he, if he gets traded midseason, you just got yourself a tight end one automatic. Well, I definitely Okay, think- on the other side of the... I would I would agree, um, you know, when you're talking about Austin Hooper and like where we I agree with Summy and uh I do say that like you definitely want Goddard. Goddard is a guy uh who has been playing a ton uh even at the tight end position because they've been lining Ertz outside. We'll get into that matchup later, but Hooper wasn't huge on my radar when we were coming in and I'm just like not ready to keep on to him for something else that looks shinier out there, just in my opinion. And and you guys may differ with that, but Hooper wasn't a guy I drafted a ton of, and he's not a guy I'm advising people to keep on to. I think you can, like you guys just said, you can get better options out there right now. On the very other good. side of the ball, uh, we've got a situation in the Cincinnati Bengals. Very low volume for that passing attack last week. Uh, disappearing act for Joe Mixon has caused a lot of uh, FF Twitter to get at, in an outrage for Joe Mixon and basically say RIP Joe Mixon. So, Summy, talk to me a little bit about this Bengals offense and where you have confidence and where you're kind of lacking that confidence heading into Thursday night. Yeah, uh, I think it was concerning that we saw Joe Mixon being pulled off the field for, you know, passing down work, uh, you know, in favor of Gio Bernard. Uh, We see that, you know, they paid this back uh, millions of dollars. They signed him to, what is it, 13 million a year or 12 million a year, and they're still refusing to use him on passing downs. Uh, That's concerning. it was encouraging to watch Burrow watch that last drive that he strung together, you know, Dick and Duncan going down the field. Um, I don't, I personally don't think it was OPI in the end zone. I think AJ Green scored that touchdown. They, they should have won, but I mean, the Chargers were owed one, you know, and they, 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 they had to win the game. Yeah. They cashed in. That's their, that's a years of bad luck, but you know, Burrow, I think he has a lot of upside, you know, I just want to speak to this past game really quick before I hand it off to you here, Johnny. Um, You know, AJ Green's healthy. Tyler Boyd's there. John Ross is healthy. He's got weapons upon weapons to produce. And I think it's a matter of time before we see Joe Burrow uh, have a ceiling game as a rookie. Um, I think as he, as he goes on in the season, he's going to start putting it together. I mean, the, the schedule it's, it's kind of favorable, favorable coming up. They got, they get the Philly secondary next week. 
Jacksonville after that. So um, I'm looking for Burrow to kind of take advantage of those matchups. Um, and if you look at it, I mean, he ranks ninth amongst all quarterbacks from week one in terms of deep passing percentage. So the number of passes or the percentage of his passes that go 20 yards or further downfield, uh, he, he attempted five deep attempts and he completed none of them. So that just tells me that, you know, it's just a chemistry thing. We saw him miss John Ross. We, we saw him miss AJ Green a couple of times. And I think it's just a matter of time before AJ Green has a monster game. John Ross has a monster game. Tyler Boyd, I wouldn't be too worried about him. He's out there second in snaps amongst receivers. So it's just a matter of chemistry here being put together. But Johnny, what do you, what do you feel about this? I, it's just hard for me to come around on, on wanting to start Joe Burrow. Uh, I definitely, I mean, the weapons are definitely there. You like, you like that. Uh, I'm not going to deny you AJ Green look great. Uh, Tyler Boyd is a concern. Four of five for 33 yards. Like, this is supposed to be the, the Jefferson role. That one that you wanted and wasn't able to get him involved. And like, I just have my concerns because he's a rookie. He's going to be so inconsistent from, from the week. I mean, even you saw it from even that last drive that he had was a different Joe Burrow than what we saw even uh, throughout the game. Uh, the Joe Burrow that we saw in the last drive was the Joe Burrow we saw at LSU. If you're getting that Joe Burrow, then yeah, he's going to be a, a fantasy stud. But I think it's going to be a while before that is more of a consistent thing because this is a new offense because of the lack of time with everything, because of all the questions about where they want peace to go. I think until they figure all that out and sort it out, I and and Joe Burrow gets through all of these growing pains, I don't know if he's going to be a consistent uh, and reliable fantasy quarterback. Now, if you're in a super flex, I like him because the upside is definitely there. And I think that he has a solid floor. But if I'm in a one QB league, I don't know if I'm I'm – holding on to Joe Burrow or, uh, you know, uh, expecting that he'll be a weekly start for me. One final question before we move on on the Bengals offense, and I'll pitch this one to you, uh, Sammy. It's a little bit of a two-parter. Joe Mixon had appeared to be one of the safer options in the first round. Are we going to continue to see him pulled off the field in, in uh, you know, for Gio Bernard? And if so, are you looking to wait for a Joe Mixon blow-up game to sell him off? Are you concerned about maybe this offense needing a while to get going? and Mixon, therefore, being kind of a dud in your lineup? No, um, I think Joe Mixon's pretty safe. I think he remains a safe option. I think as the season goes on, we'll see the target volume uh, increase. We'll see Burrow start to check it down a little bit more. We'll see him, instead of holding onto the ball and uh, trying to make something happen with it, you know, as all rookies do, um, we'll see him take what the defense gives him and check it down to, Bur- uh, check it down to uh, Mixon. So I'm not too worried about him. I mean, what do you have? 19 rushing attempts. You know, if he scored a touchdown, he would have been fine. He would have been a a, a mid RB2, uh, back in RB2 week. I mean, it's fine. I'm not too concerned the volume's there. Um, But yeah, I mean, this offense, like you said, Johnny, if if they can get consistent, I think this offense can be really special. They do have the weapons here. Um, And again, Cleveland secondary's banged up. So this is a really, really good spot to get right. Um, I would I say think, it's a sneaky, like, smash the over, but it is a Thursday night game, and I just don't feel right advising to do that. In a th- yeah, yeah, that's 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 a thing. But, I mean, if I was a betting man, I'd probably take the Bengals to definitely cover here. All right, so moving on to our second game on the slate, we've got the Chicago Bears hosting the New York Giants. Danny Dimes and the New York Giants actually making you look a little bit bad, Summy. I thought Danny Dimes did okay on Monday night after some of the mess you were talking last week saying he couldn't get it done. But we'll start uh, really on the Chicago side. 
All the drama about Allen Robinson this week actually got dropped in one league I was in. I could not believe it. Uh, I'm wow. hoping that waiver. Yeah. Wow. Um, so Allen Robinson uh, taking stuff off of his Twitter, requesting trade. We've got this running game with just, you know, kind of maddening splits and the way that they're using David Montgomery, even though he's getting good run, taking him out in the red zone and whatnot. Um, and I just want to see what we think about this wide receiver game, too. So walk us through here, starting with Mitch Trubisky, who ended up having a pretty big game there, Summy, in the kind of the second half of that game against Detroit last week. Yeah. Um, you know what it is? I mean, Trubisky, he's such a volatile quarterback, man. It's, it's so tough to trust him. Well, he's got good career splits against Detroit, too. So it's just, he likes <laughs> that five touchdown game definitely came. Yeah. 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 I think that one game definitely boosts it. But, um, <clears throat> you know, Chicago, their, their offensive line ranked 12th best in terms of pass protection last week. Uh, the, the Giants D line, it's middle, in middle, middle of the pack in terms of pass rush. So I don't think they're going to be able to get much pressure here on Trubisky. I think we could see Trubisky have another streamable game where, you know, 250 and two. Sure, I could see it. Maybe a pick in there. Um, but also, I do want to point out, you know, th this giant secondary is really nothing to be messed with. Um, I was impressed with Daniel Jones, you know, the performance that he put, did put on. And we'll speak about that in a second. But um, I do think Trubisky, the way he was playing last week, it was sloppy. But I do think he can keep up with uh, with an error prone Danny, Danny Dimes. We've got this running back situation, Johnny. Um, you know, if you've got New York ranked as the sixth best versus the run. After week one, obviously, we had the James Conner uh, injury kind of affect that situation as well. How are you feeling? Where's your confidence level on Montgomery? Because he was supposedly hurt and going to get eased back in the lineup, but he actually got pretty good run uh, in that game Sunday against the Lions. How are you feeling about this one stacked up against New York? I think he'll be a decent play for you. Uh, you draft him as maybe an RB2 or a low-end, high-end RB3. I think that's right about where he'll be. I, you know, I'm not too, too worried about this defensive front for the Giants. I think Chicago's going to be able to move the ball on them, actually. I think it's going to be uh, a shootout, potentially, actually. Um, I I do like the, the running backs, both... David Montgomery and Tyree Cohen in the matchup because I think they'll use them in order to create the mismatch outside, take those shots deep, uh, a lot like what you saw Pittsburgh do. Um, and I think that's exactly what they'll do. Uh, and they want to keep the ball away from Saquon. Here's my interesting uh, question for you guys. Do you think that moving forward, they will we will start to see exactly what we saw last week where teams will just say, we are going to completely stack the box against you, and you are we are going to make Danny Dimes beat us. We will not let Saquon. No. Uh, yeah. I I, well, I actually, well, until Danny Dimes continues to capitalize on yeah. that, I do think they'll do that. Because that's, honestly, you're going you're gonna to wish you hadn't done that after a while, because Saquon is, is effectively going to get shut down. And then Danny Dimes, like, he was making some big-time throws. So, I mean, he stood in the pocket on the that Darius Slayton throw, uh, that that one touchdown, and it was like, man, yeah. you you look like you've got some poise here. I I ha I may be higher than Danny D Dime, higher on Danny Dimes than anybody on this panel right now, but I think Danny Dimes is the truth. So I think eventually they will uh, teams won't be able to do that against them. And and plus this team projects to be down in a lot of games, I would imagine. So they're gonna Danny Dimes is just gonna get a volume play too a lot. 
But yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I agree with you. You know, he did look good in primetime uh, against especially a very stingy Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Um, we saw that one drive that he put together. It was a, it was a long drive. Um, just couldn't get it done. It got picked by, I think, Cam Hayward at the end. Uh, in the end not, zone, even which, a, not even necessarily a mistake on Daniel Jones's right, part, unless right. you want to say he held on to the ball too long. Yeah. But here's something interesting, right? Here's why primetime skews everyone's perception. Um, it seems like Danny Dimes was, was better than the game. Is that why? Oh. Yeah, yeah. You're right. It does. No, so I mean if you if you so if you if you take a look at this, um the Giants actually ranked uh sixth worst in terms of offensive yards per drive on average last week. So you know, perception would seem that, you know, he was able to string together a couple of good drives and he had those deep shots and he was taking shots deep early and often where he really wasn't. He only attempted two deep passes, only completed one of them. That's uh that's actually second worst or third yeah, second worst uh Right behind Jared Goff. So Jared Goff had a 3.2% deep deep pass attempt uh, percentage, and then Danny Dimes followed with 4.9%. So uh, he doesn't really take shots too deep down the field, and especially with uh, the threat that he provides on on the ground, combined with Saquon Barkley, I think, yeah, to an extent, teams will try to stack the box against him, you know, box him out, corner corner up the tackles. But for the most part, I, I don't think Danny Dimes could be that effective, uh, at least until, you know, Golden Tate comes back and everyone's kind of healthy and... He starts. He starts kind of reducing his errors. Um, he's 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 still not processing as quickly as I would like. All right, I think we got a little sidetracked. We wanted to jump into that Danny Dimes talk, but we didn't really touch uh, enough on the wide receivers over in Chicago. And I do want to get back to this because people are going to be asking about Anthony Miller. Gets the game-winning touchdown, right? But still only plays 27 snaps compared to Anthony, uh, to Allen Robinson's 53. So somebody walked. Well, yeah, walk me through what's going on there, and if Anthony Miller has hope to play more snaps, especially with the Allen Robinson thing, maybe they they bring him in on more snaps and see what they have in Miller, right? If they are even thinking about trading Robinson. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, if there was like, uh, I guess if there was like contention between Allen Robinson and the Bears, you would assume that uh, Anthony Miller would be getting a little bit more play. But I mean, we clearly don't see that. You know, he he had 27 snaps, like you mentioned, compared to Allen Robinson's 53. Ted Ginn played more snaps than Anthony Miller. I mean, that's just kind of absurd. Um, and that's why I kind of said, like, Chicago kind of hates Miller. But if you look at it, Anthony Miller ranked sixth in terms of yards per route run amongst all wide receivers in week one with five or more targets. He had 3.45 yards per route run. So that's, I mean, wow. we know Anthony Miller's a baller. But, uh, he's a baller, right? Like, we know that, I mean, I am I said this last offseason where I do think Anthony Miller could potentially take over as a lead lead dog here if Allen Robinson gets injured or, or whatever it may be. Um I just don't know what's going to go on, what's going to happen with Allen Robinson. You know, they said that they had a, a good discussion, Ryan Pace and he, but you just never know if that's kind of just like cover up and then, you know, hey, listen, just just settle down. We're going to we're going to look for a trade partner, you know? Yeah, I could definitely see close to the deadline them moving on on Allen Robinson, especially if they're out of the hunt. They did. Right. They did sneak away a division win here. Uh, it might be a little bit harder to get a win here against the Giants who can put up points and are fully loaded on offense, unlike Detroit, who was injured. Jimmy Graham is our last one to talk about here. Johnny, he was a hot waiver ad in a lot of uh, places because of the touchdown last week. Are you believing in Jimmy Graham as being an option in this offense, or do you feel like he's maybe more touchdown dependent? Uh, I, I mean, it's it's a Matt Nagy offense where, yeah, that he will use the tight end. I don't know how uh, you know consistent that's going to be. Jimmy Graham, we've production. It'll be a low-end uh, you know, tight end one for me. Um, 
And if they're, you know, there are certainly better options, I think. I, I would rather go with Jacecki and trust him again. I just like, uh, you know, the volume that he would get. Um, but, you know, Jimmy Graham is going to get targets in this offense. He does run uh, a decent amount of run, uh, of routes, but this tight end is very, is used oftentimes for blocking. That's where it comes in key and uh, for Matt Nagy. So if this uh, running game is going to get going, uh, Jimmy Graham is going to be involved in that. But again, Jimmy Graham, not the greatest blocking tight end, but he will be on the field. Yeah, Jimmy Graham was on the field. 11% of his snaps, he was used uh, in a blocking assignment. So just uh, that's kind of middle of the pack amongst all tight ends, just, uh, just to add some context there. Yeah. All right, so moving on to the Giants again. Obviously, we went over Daniel Jones. Uh, we don't really need to talk too much about um, Saquon Barkley. We're not worried, right? This was a tough draw to face Pittsburgh in week one. Not not that much t- tougher of a or not really a tough draw this week. I mean, Chicago was known. Uh, for being good, but they just let Adrian Peterson kind of run all over him. So I'm excited about Saquon <laughs> this week. Um, I want to talk wide receivers, Summy, because Darius Slayton was a guy that, you know, we towards the end of the the offseason, I was really kind of getting on the Sterling Shepard bandwagon, but it looks like Slayton with Golden Tate out really performed as Daniel Jones go to. Yeah, um, Slayton has, uh, you know, everyone was taking their bets in the offseason as to who the wide receiver one was going to be here. Uh, my money was on Golden Tate. I know Sterling Shepard's a, a solid wide receiver, but Golden Tate's already been a one, um, you know, in Seattle and then in Detroit as well. So he had the experience, and he has a, he has a veteran mindset. Like but eighty years ago, yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> uh, but obviously, he has a ha- he has a hamstring issue that he's dealing with. Uh, Darius Slayton, yeah, I mean, listen, he fourteen yards average depth of target. He led wide receivers on this team with eighty five percent snap share, nine targets, uh, highest on the team. He recorded one hundred two yards, two touchdowns connected with Danny Dimes on a 41-yard bomb, uh, his only deep deep completion of the night. And, uh, you know, he has all the makings of a high-ceiling weekly play, kind of like a Will Fuller, just not to the not to the ceiling that Will Fuller does. But um, I think he also has a pretty moderate floor if he continues to see this sort of target volume, right? Like um, nine targets with that sort of A dot, I think you can lock him in for, you know, four or five catches a week. And, you know, he might go off for 100-plus or he might... He might settle down with like 60 or, 60 or 50 yards. But um, Sterling Shepard, I think, you know, it's 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 tough. I like Sterling Shepard. I like the talent. I just don't think Danny Dimes is good enough to support multiple options at receiver. I just I just don't think that there's upside, unfortunately, to Sterling Shepard. Like, he's a wonderful it talent. It does seem to be like a Golden Tate Plus, right? I like it. Yeah. If he's rocking and rolling, he's the possession receiver, but with a little more upside but definitely not what Darius Slayton was able to do. And we thought it was maybe just highlight play last year. Well, he tried He did it again in prime time. So I love where Slayton's at here. I guess the last question is if you're, if you're panicking on Evan Ingram, I am personally saying not yet. Um, He did see uh, seven targets last week. He did drop a couple of nasty ones. Like he just seemed to be ready to be back and, and thinking ahead of himself and, so I would not panic just yet on Evan Ingram. Plus, you drafted him pretty high. So you got to stick it out at least one more week here. Uh, much better draw, I think, playing Chicago than playing that Pittsburgh. He was second in targets, too. He had seven targets right behind Darius yeah. So that's, that's something comforting. All right, moving on. The Los Angeles Rams will be going to Philadelphia to play the Eagles here. Uh, 46 over under with the Eagles barely favored by a point. So I don't even know if you can consider that being favored at this point. Yeah, um, like Johnny, 
Yeah. Johnny, that offensive line over there was not doing Carson Wentz any favors. Now, they were playing what we know is a very talented Washington front. Um, so between the offensive line woes, between the running back depth, uh, you know, you thought you, they could get snake bitten at, at wide receiver. Now they're getting snake bitten at running back, it seems like. Miles Sanders is practicing. Johnny, walk us through that Philadelphia offense and where your confidence level is going into this game. I am. I'm basically looking at Carson Wentz and whether or not uh, I can start him on. Uh, you know, because most people he would be in that. You know, uh, quarterback one discussion. And so again, we want to look at. All right, is he going to have Miles Sanders and is he going to have Lane Johnson? Because those are two pieces that he's definitely going to have have to have against this L.A. Rams. Uh, defense. He cannot get one dimensional because if he does that, then things happen uh, like we saw last week with Washington. So Miles Sanders, he practices today. Uh, I expect him a full go. Here, Here's what I'm reading out of, uh, or at least what the reports are suggesting, is that uh, there is a belief that Philadelphia thought they could beat Washington without Miles Sanders. Uh, so that is why they were a, they had ruled him out on Friday, and it was kind of a surprise. And uh, to their uh, you know chagrin, uh, Washington came out and beat them. So now they're like, okay, uh, let, we got to get Miles Sanders out there. Uh, I think the extra week uh, definitely did him a lot of favors, uh, but definitely you're going to want to uh, hope that Lane Johnson is also in the starting lineup for the offense. But on the on the other side. I will say that uh, Austin Scott was probably dropped on a, on a lot of waivers today. I know I saw him on a few waivers, uh, waiver wires. I'm in. I would still go and pick him up uh, as a stash on on your bench. I know uh, somebody, my counterpart here, does not uh, is not a big fan of Austin Scott, but I will say that he had nine carries for 35 yards, so an average of yards per. Once again, that was without Lane Johnson. Uh, in that offensive line, so that's pretty solid, and they will use him in the passing game. It is it's it's re weird. Uh, he came out of the game with an undisclosed injury, um, but I haven't seen other news at all. So uh, he did come back in that game uh, for short, but not haven't read any on exactly what that was or what. Corey Clement truthers should probably just keep quiet at this point because with a banged up offensive line and ineffective running play, probably not going to do much. The wide receiving core gets a little bit interesting. You saw both Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Rieger play about 50-50 snaps. I know it's a little bit different there. We can get into that coming a little bit. But Jalen Rieger led the team in air yards, if I'm not mistaken, and really looked like he was running deep and huge routes here for this team. Sami, how are you feeling about Jalen Rieger? Because he did make it on a lot of waiver columns because he was coincidentally dropped because of the shoulder injury that was supposed to limit him. Yeah, uh, if you watch the game, I mean that one that one pass that he snagged, uh, just going up over the the right seam, it was it was a thing of beauty. Uh, yeah. He looks like he looks like a physically he looks like a, a one, right? He looks like a dominant receiver. Um, his his talent on the field, you can tell why you know Philly drafted him as high as they did, and why they believe in him as much as they do. Uh, I am concerned about the shoulder, according to Pro Football Doc. Uh, you know the injury that he does have, it just presents a really high risk for re-injury, uh, just because he is playing through it. 
he's going to eventually, no matter what, he's going to need surgery in the offseason. Well, and how much of, does that risk percentage go up when you play for the Philadelphia Eagles? It's got like, to bump it like 10%, right? I mean, in order of magnitude, at least, you know, it's got to <laughs> at least. Um, it, they've they've got to invest in better trainers or better strength and conditioning coaches. I don't know what's going on here, man. Like, like Washington Jr. Yeah, I mean, listen, I wouldn't be mad if Carson Wentz just kind of got frustrated and was like, listen, just trade me or let me go, you know, like, let me go somewhere else. Um, this, this, the, they're not doing him any favors, right? Yeah, sure, they drafted Rager, but, like, you get injured even before the season starts. I mean, what is up with that? I mean, you have it's J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who you used a, a pretty high pick on last year. And you're, not, you're not even using him one target, you know, in week one. And, like, what are you guys doing? It's a real shame that this offense is uh, limiting both Deshaun and Rager's snaps because both of them on the outside would just be something really fascinating to watch uh, every single play and watch a defense try to cover both of those. So I guess I'll just ask this. While they're limiting snaps, are either of these guys trustworthy in your lineup? Johnny, can you feel comfortable taking the what the heck on either of these guys to get that one play and make your fantasy football? Uh, I wouldn't suggest it. Um, I mean, if you need a dart throw, I would probably go Rieger over Jackson just because the. Uh, I would not be surprised if we saw once again out snap Jackson uh, him coming up. I think that they want to get Rieger more involved. I think he'll be more involved uh, than just explosive plays. It will be interesting uh, if... You know, Ramsey does follow Rieger. Here's the other thing. You're not going to want to start him even remotely close in this game because you still want to get more data points how they're going to use her. But if you are going to throw a dart throw towards one of these wide receivers for Philadelphia, I would roll the dice on Jack. But yell. I mean, we've got to talk about these tight ends. Zach Ertz was becoming such a value in drafts because of the way he was falling. And then maybe we saw why, because this is his, uh, a situation where Dallas Goddard exploded. I mean, I know Ertz got a touchdown early, but Dallas Goddard then really looked like the tight end one of this team. How how are you feeling? Do you think this was maybe a week-to-week thing where Ertz will get outperformed by Goddard? Or do you think it's here to stay? I think it's here to stay. I think Goddard is too good of a talent to, to keep bottled up, especially when you're feeding him 100 targets a year. Uh, I think eventually he's just going to break out. And I think this is a time. I think this is why we've kind of seen Philly be hesitant with uh, extending uh, Zach Ertz or giving the money that he wants because they see the talent that they have in Goddard. Um, and I'd be excited at the prospect moving forward. You know, we could see a move before the uh, the trade deadline. I don't think that that's likely. I think they, they want to keep Ertz. I think he's very crucial to this offense it's kind of centered around the tight end uh that heavy set personnel but i mean goddard's creeping right up there right so he played 54 of 68 snaps in week one he lined up in the slot 21 percent of the time uh and Ertz pretty much dead even in terms of the snap count uh just four more than goddard there so it's it, you know it's it's looking likely that goddard's going to be the benefactor of you know double coverage over the middle field uh over on Ertz. um but i like goddard in goddard in redraft or, or you know any sort of format and on the other side of the ball, the visiting team is the Los Angeles Rams. They're coming in to face these Eagles. Jared Goff was a popular late-round quarterback. Well, somewhat popular late-round quarterback. Did not really put up the numbers you'd like. Um, is in, is, should be in line for a bounce-back year. But this offense, to turn back the clock a little bit, and was you know in that 12 personnel, very efficient, pounding the rock and then throwing it to Robert Woods. I want to talk first. We could skip over Goff unless you guys really have a, a point to hit home here, but I want to talk about this running back core 
because Malcolm Brown was maybe the number one waiver wire for so many people this week. And then Cam Akers is a guy that was drafted you know, much higher, much, much higher in, in drafts this year. Do we think it's a matter of time, Johnny, before Cam Akers takes over this backfield? Or are you buying Malcolm Brown playing 80% of the snaps or 60% of the snaps and continuing to do so? Uh, I actually, I mean, I, I don't expect Malcolm Brown to, which is why I was a little hesitant to go out and, and spend a lot of the agent, Bob, Bob, however you early, um, on Malcolm Brown, because it's not that I don't think that he's a running back or that I don't think that they'll give him running back because I do. He looked good. Uh, he looked way better than he did last year. I think that kind of what affecting it last year. Uh, but here's the thing. They still stuck with Cam Akers, even though he did. Uh, they still gave him 14. And I think because they invested the high draft capital, they will continue to. And, you know, uh, inefficient with all of his touches. But uh, I do think they're going to bring him along. him to be that true. But until that happens, Malcolm Brown is going to look good. And you always want to see you look with your the eye test. I think until further Look with notice, your special eyes. Yeah, exactly. I think until further notice, you're able to start Malcolm. I think this uh, in this game, you'll be able to start Malcolm. But... Cam makers, don't get rid of him. Don't drop. Him. Uh, his use could be, you know, ten to four for a little bit. Yeah, yeah just one point reason. to add. I'm yeah, sorry, just one point I wanted to add there. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. Where you know, I do see Malcolm Brown. Yeah, sure, he 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 was effective. But uh, it's inevitable that Cam Akers is kind of just lurking here, right? Like, they're going to involve him. Uh, so Malcolm Brown, to me, he is, while he is a startable asset, he's a, de he's a declining asset as well. Uh, you'll be able to get a couple of good weeks out of him before they really, truly start splitting the work. Daryl Henderson's healthy. He starts seeing passing game involvement. It's like uh, uh, Green Mile, dead man walking here. Dude, <laughs> exactly. somebody, somebody in one of my leagues uh, put in a $100 WAB bid on Malcolm Brown. And just left, you know, uh, Benny Snell to me, uh, and I paid half, half as much, even because I needed a running back, I paid a lot. But uh, yeah, it just kind of, it just made me chuckle a little bit because I'm like, clearly they're not listening to the fantasy whispers because they would not yeah. have loaded up a hundred wob on Malcolm Brown. Yeah, so the, the last point. Here. The the last oh, point yeah, I just yeah. want I just wanted to kind of just say uh, this week, however, with Malcolm Brown, I'd kind of be hesitant to start him. Uh, Philly run defense is is phenomenal. It's 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 sneaky good. Well, they just but they just gave up 19 carries for like 27 yards to Peyton Barber. I mean, I mean that's that's, just, that's I know I know it's a lot, but you know, don't worry. This rushing defense is actually pretty good. But it was, actually, it was ninth best in terms of DVOA last week. So uh, I definitely uh, I think there's would a be difference though. And the, the, here's what I would say: I think the difference, uh, the Rams offense is head and shoulders above Washington's. And they will be oh, able to sure. so goal line, uh, goal line work will go to Malcolm. Well, I don't think anybody got more goal line carries than Peyton Barber last week. That was against Philly. No, I'm ser I'm serious. I think Peyton Barber had the That's most crazy. goal line. 
bullet yeah. carries last week. It's maddening. I, I know he had 10, 10 runs inside the 10. I don't know how anybody can explain that to me. <laughs> Uh, but uh, that's what happened like with Washington. yard per run. You know? I, I, yeah, I'm pretty it's, sure it's just because he was like, I know he'll get positive yardage. It might not be a lot, but I know he's going to go forward. and That's what I need. Guys, Speaking this is this now guy. the Peyton Barber. So we're just going to go ahead and, and go there. I'd also like to... Yeah, go, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'd, I'd also like to kind of go back to, to Saquon and just say he had 15 carries for six yards but his longest run was for seven yards. So that means 14 of his carries went for negative one yard. Just that, that, that was astonishing to me. Hey, that was, Pittsburgh yeah. knew what they wanted to stop. That's for sure. Exactly. And, and man, hey, between hey, that and Bud Dupree. Yeah. yeah that's we exactly what Philadelphia wanted to stop Peyton okay. Barber, dude. Okay. One last point here, Summy. I want you to just kind of higher level view of this Rams, Rams wide receiving core. We know Robert Woods is locked and loaded in your lineup. And if he's not, Quit playing fantasy football. But how about Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and then even Tyler Higby? How do you see this passing core working out, and especially in this game? I think uh, this year, I think it's going to be Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. These are the two pass catchers that you want. I would recommend going out, trying to buy low on Cooper Cup right now. The biggest concern for him was just his utilization when they brought in those heavier sets, those, that 12 personnel. You know, they're not going 11 personnel all the time. They want to bring in two tight ends. Uh, is Cooper Cup going to be on the field? And we got our answer. The answer is yes. He was on the field for a majority of those as well. So I would recommend going to buy low on the Cooper uh, on Cooper Cup right now. Just shoot out an offer, see what the owner, uh, see what the manager wants. Um, but yeah, I think behind these guys, Van Jefferson, Josh Reynolds, they're, they're just going to be eating into each other's work. Van Jefferson, sure, he looks great. He's a rookie. I think you know he's a wide receiver three here. But we saw last week that they were kind of splitting time behind both of these uh, receivers in Woods and Cup. So. The only two pass catchers I want here are Woods and Cup and possibly Higby now with the uh, Everett back injury. Yeah, that seemed, it should give some more opportunity there. Um, keep an eye on Van Jefferson, especially in Dynasty. You're going to be lo- wanting him locked up in your lineup, but uh, that that's probably a later rather than sooner thing. All right, moving on to our next game. We've got Dallas hosting the Atlanta Falcons in what Vegas thinks should be a shootout. 52 point over under. Five point favorites are the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but Summy, I'm kind of hesitant to cha- to go ahead and like crown Dallas as a you know barn burner team after how slow that offense looked. I mean, last week, Dak Prescott, who was supposed to be a guy you could smash as an elite quarterback this year, based on all the weapons around him, finishes the QB 18. His average depth of target was 6.6. That's just making me puke a little bit here. Atlanta yep. uh, surrendering 319 yards and four touchdowns to Russell Wilson. Is this the get-right spot for Dak Prescott? I think it could be, yeah. Um, I mentioned this last week. If you guys were tuned into uh, our matchup show for week one, I just kind of mentioned a contrarian viewpoint where, you know, everyone's expecting this offense to be um, kind of picking up where it left off last year. But I did point out the injuries to the offensive line. And if you guys think back to the year that Zeke was suspended, Tyron Smith, their left tackle, was also injured with a back injury. And, you know, the fantasy community was really torn on what's what's causing Dak Prescott to suck. Is it Tyron Smith being out or is it Zeke Elliott being out? You know, this this team is or Zeke's team. Dak That's just what... suck. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, so, some people realize, yeah, you maybe, know, he was, maybe he's I, don't, I am not on that bandwagon. He's not on my, right. you know, game time sucking list. But uh, right. that was definitely a question. That was definitely a question, people. And what now the you, hell is a game time sucking list? Hey, 
That's a list that Johnny takes out before the game starts. He's like, who's on my sucking list today? (laughs) I'm not going to start them. Um, But no, I mean, like, we kind of saw that rear talk we had, right? Where Dak Prescott's, he doesn't have time to let routes develop downfield. He's he's not throwing it deep. His his average depth of target, like you mentioned, is 6.6. This is why you don't draft a quarterback early, right? This is why you don't take a quarterback in the sixth round, because you can get a Cam Newton in the 10th, 11th round. You can get a Gardner Minshew in the 15th Gardner round. Gardner MF Minshew, baby. Gardner T. Minshew, baby. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think this is a get right spot, though. But yeah, maybe this is, you know, just a reminder not to take QB early. Zeke, we love to see him, and I'm sure the listeners who have him want, want to hear us talk about how great it is to see him getting more work out of the backfield as a pass catcher. That happened in this game to an extent. We like to see that. But let's talk about this wide receiving core because even to, to shock to me, who loves CeeDee Lamb coming out of college, I mean, I thought he looked good. He out-targeted, out-produced Michael Gallup, went 5 for 6 for 59 yards on 82% of the snaps. Um, with this injury to Blake Jarwin, Pete Lamb looks poised to be ready before we were even ready for him to be ready. I mean, is that kind of how you feel this feel this wide receiving core shaking out, Johnny? Yeah, I definitely that uh, he looked great. Um, I don't. I am. I am excited for his future. I think that with the Blake Jarwin uh, injury, will continue to see the targets that. And uh, I think that I'm a little worried now for Michael Gallup out of the three, which is kind of interesting. Coming in, I was actually uh, the most comfortable with Michael Gallup. Um, but now seeing what we saw with Amari Cooper, I think he won. I think they're going to target him a lot. I mean, he had Ramsey on him, and he still got 14 targets. Like that's That shows that they're going to use him a lot. Uh, and then the fact that, you know, said uh, that CeeDee Lamb got more targets um, than, than Michael Gallup, that is a uh, and the fact that Dak didn't throw it down, uh, didn't throw it deep. You know, Michael Gallup is taking a lot of those old, shallower routes, so he might be the more you know reliable fantasy option moving forward. Yeah, well, Michael Gallup actually was the one that was uh, deepest on the field for the wide receivers. He was yeah. their best deep threat in Dallas. He his average depth of target was ten point three three yards per reception was sixteen point six seven, and then. So he is getting down the field. But yeah, to your point, Johnny, Dak is not really going down the field, or at least he didn't in week. And to Summy's point, will this be a dink and dunk offense with the line issues they're having? Yeah, you've got to be a little worried here. But I will say this. DK just torched Atlanta, four for 95 and a touchdown. DK is the deep threat uh, pretty much in Seattle. I know Tyler can get down there too. But uh, I like. I would like to fire up all three of these wide receivers in this game. I over under. I think Atlanta just got torched, like we said. Go ahead and go there. As far as Dalton Schultz, uh, nothing to see here. This is CeeDee Lamb's time. We're not going to discuss any tight ends uh, for Dallas. It just doesn't make a lot of sense until we see something pop. On the other side of the ball, we have the Atlanta Falcons. Nobody threw for more attempts than Matt Ryan last week. Nobody threw for more yards than Matt Ryan last week. Um, And he finishes the QB7 overall. Um, This is the second highest over over under on the docket. Speaking of going quarterback late, you can do that with a guy like Matt Ryan and then get rewarded when he does things like he did last week, and he's poised to do it again. Want to talk Todd Gurley, Summy, 14 for 56 and a rushing touchdown, one for five, only one yard receiving, but the five targets are nice. We like to see that because he wasn't getting that kind of volume in L.A. Talk to me about Todd Gurley. 
He's not cashed yet, so are you still stoked for him to try and do something as an RB2? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> he looked good. He looked good last week for sure. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't as high on him uh, coming into the season. He's definitely not the Todd Gurley of of, of, Dale, of days old, right? He's, he's not right. where he used to be on the Rams. But I think, uh, you know, this offense, it's going to run through the passing game. Todd Gurley's going to take all the goal line touches. He's going to take all the uh, the valuable touches. That's what we like to see. He is involved in the passing game. I think I'm comfortable firing him up as an RB2. Um, <clears throat> and he's going to continue to see volume. So... Uh, anything behind him, you know, I don't really like any any running backs behind him. I think Todd Gurley is the only running back to own here. Uh, even if he does go down, you know, again, it's it's going to run through the passing attack, and it's not really going to be reliant on the on the ground game. But what do you guys feel about this passing attack? I mean, do you feel like it can sustain 12 targets for each of these receivers every single week? Maybe not every yeah, Johnny, single week, yeah. but, but, I mean, it's definitely going to be, I think, a pretty significant thing. Look, look. They're, that defense is so bad, and so they are going to be, you know, either behind in a lot of games, trying to keep pace in a lot of games, and, and I don't, you know, like the offensive line isn't particularly great, um, and so I think that you could see a lot of of games where they are throwing a lot of, you know, you could see eight, eight targets, you know, amongst the pass catchers there. I think Russell Gate is here to stay i think that's going to be third guy and we've seen this throughout the the career of of matt ryan like this is what he does he throws for over four thousand yards every single year and gets you know 26 plus touchdowns uh so i don't i don't think that's any different and they'll all go to calvin ridley it looks like so yeah. uh julio can just yeah, what, are you, what are you guys feeling about the whole calvin ridley to chris godwin comps from last year um do you guys think that calvin ridley is about to have they're a lazy comp, I think, from the the aspect of the the offenses being completely kind of different. Um, but they are not a lazy comp in the idea that Calvin Ridley can elite can easily break out this year. I mean, he is the touchdown guy. Uh, you know, you can try to say that you can't quantify it, but Ridley is the big play guy for them, um, and he continues to do it. So uh, until further notice, Ridley should be locked in your lineups. And I feel bad. And you know, I know on our lineup show we were actually having Ridley benched in a couple spots and uh, I feel bad for doing that, but uh, hopefully you guys, you guys were able to survive that. I do want to talk about the Hayden Hurst because to me guys, I think Hayden Hurst is a hold here. Now he, he was probably seeing quite a bit of Jamal Adams in this game who was all over the field and just like really dominating the game from a defensive standpoint. And I know that there are going to be games where Gage probably takes over as the number three, but I think that Hayden Hurst ran one of the, I think top five in routes run. Uh, from the tight end position. So you still like to see that he had a beautiful splash play for 27 yards. Other than that, not really, you know, exciting. But I think as far as tight ends concerned, um, you should just hold just a couple more weeks and see what uh, Hurst is able to do in this offense. I just, Especially in this pretty, I just don't understand, like, if we if we get this and we talk about it all the time, like wide receivers going from one team to another are going to digress, like, why is the the tight end position susceptible to that? And it's like tight end, tight end is different because well you 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 know when you get in when you get in line and you're you're a blocker you're more deceptive where you can actually break away and you can leak out to the flat or you can leak out over the middle of the field and and you know go on a passing route. So wide receivers. It takes a little bit more chemistry, some more timing with the quarterback where, hey, if I run a five-yard hitch route or, or, you know, when am I going to be here and, you know, where's this chemistry at? 
Whereas a tight end, it's a big body over the field, kind of a safety blanket. So the transition from team to team, it doesn't carry that much risk compared to a wide receiver. Uh, would, but DeAndre Hopkins, I would, wrong. I think, I would uh, disagree with. Uh, I think stats would dis- with. Uh, I just don't know end. that there's a ton of a ton of options for you to be just dumping Hayden Hurst. Yeah, like Logan Thomas was out there and Goddard was out there. Maybe you had to pay up to get them. I think Hurst is, should stay in your lineup for at least another week, especially with this high over under. And then see what happens after that, um, especially for when tight ends are running a lot of routes. That's usually equates to points in fantasy, and especially in a team like this and a and a dirt cutter team that targets the tight end uh, quite a bit. I think it could end up being profitable. That's yeah, all. you're gonna regret it if you end up dropping Hayden Hurst. I mean, I, I'd expect him to have a breakout game this week. Um, he has a, he has right. a great matchup. So you call, you heard it here first. Summy calling the breakout for Hayden Hurst. Uh, Carolina will look to try and break out of being a bad team as they face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa, uh, or Tampa, I should say, Tampa Bay. Uh, the Buccaneers here are favored by nine. Summy, I mean, Johnny, 49 over under, favored by nine. Like, this is a everybody's survivor pick, right, Johnny? Like, this is the team they're probably locking and loading to beat Carolina here. Talk to me about what we saw out of Brady. We saw a little, you know, some good stuff as far as down the field throws, but then, I mean, I saw him miss some screen passes. He looked a little rusty. So, how are you feeling about this Tampa offense? Uh, I'm I'm feeling okay. I think that uh, that Tom Brady. Listen, considering all things, I think that uh, we kind of overjudged Tom Brady a little too quickly. Yes, he had some bad throws, but quarterbacks are going to have bad throws and aren't used to seeing that from Tom Brady and I think that that's why uh you know a little bit more noticeable or under the microscope but I think in general you have to be encouraged by what you saw they want to push the the ball down the field they're given Tom Brady uh, I mean he had time for the most part um you don't like the Chris Godwin uh and him being out of the lineup potentially with the uh the concussion protocol he is in concussion protocol currently um, but I think that Tom Brady is going, I, I don't think it was, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, is it the father time thing? Has it finally caught up to him? And I don't think that that's it. I don't think, you know, I didn't see any uh, less accurate uh, balls on any other, you know, on most of his throws other than the ones he threw the picks on. Uh, and I didn't see any loss of velocity. So I think from that perspective, Tom Brady is fine. Uh, this is just, you know, he needs to get on the same page. He's still learning a new playbook. What can you, what you got to give him some slack. This first. Summy, Summy, were you okay with Tom Brady's balls on Sunday? <laughs> uh, what, what was that thing from last year we had uh, mentioned? If, if you're um, going to get your balls picked you off, you might as well get your balls picked off. You should just get your balls picked off. I was just trying to recreate <laughs> some magic there. If you, if you guys if you guys were listening to the to the fantasy whispers last year, uh, you remember Jimmy G was throwing pick after pick in practice in training camp, and that was a little inside joke of ours. So, uh, stick around, you know, stay come here for stick the fantasy around, we'll analysis. Talk about- yeah, we'll we'll give you some inside jokes as well about ball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, um, but I think it's just, I, just, I think it's a little ironic, Summy, not to cut you off, but we've mm-hmm. talked about how this team's built for Madden, and then look at what happened in this in this game. Like we really didn't. I mean, Godwin did his, but now look at what's happening with this team. Uh, Mike Evans is hurt. Chris Godwin is hurt. Ronald Jones kind of looking better than Leonard Fournette, at least in week one. O.J. Howard scoring the touchdown. Gronk not really doing much. Like it's just kind of funny that all the backup pieces. 
uh, at least for week one. I don't want to overreact. Right. Seem to be the ones Scott that are Miller. like that are like getting going here. So Johnny, right. or I mean, Sammy, talk to me a little bit about this backfield and, and your confidence level. You know, I think it's everybody's assumption that Leonard Fournette is just waiting to take this job. But we did see a bigger Ronald Jones. We saw Ronald Jones running for 17 attempts. Uh, so how are you feeling uh, about this backfield? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I this backfield is is very interesting. I, I do think it's a smash spot this week against Carolina. I think you want to fire up not only Ronald Jones, I think you also want to fire up Leonard Fournette. And the reason I say that is because Ronald Jones is not really seeing the work inside the five. So if this team can work their way down and find themselves inside the five, inside the 10, I think Leonard Fournette's going to vulture a couple goal line touches. And, you know, he has a possibility to score, put up two touchdowns uh, in a game where Ronald Jones could go for over 100 yards himself. Uh, I think, you know, you can start both of these guys. Um, Tampa Bay last week had the 10th best uh, run blocking O-line. Uh, even with Donovan Smith, their, uh, you know, the blindside tackle completely whiffing and, and getting Brady sacked pretty much every other play. I mean, it, it, this O-line is 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 going to be a little bit better. They got Tristan Wirfs there. Um, so it's a good run blocking O-line. I think Ronald Jones is going to benefit from that. Leonard Fournette's going to benefit from that. And once Mike Evans gets back and and he's healthy, um, I think we're going to see a little bit more success on the ground for these two as well. Johnny, because Scotty Miller is white and because he plays in the slot, everybody believes that Tom Brady loves Scotty Miller. Kind of did look at him a lot there. You know, he was six. He was targeted six times. He caught five balls, 37 yards. Is Scotty Miller here to stay, especially if Chris Godwin's out, right? Yeah, if if Scotty or if if Chris Godwin is out, then you definitely I like Scotty Miller as a you know wide receiver three flex option for you. And I, I actually even think he's a decent pickup on the waiver wire, especially in PPR leagues, because I think that he will take that Julian Edelman role. I think he, he fits that role really well. Uh, his metrics are very similar. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's the talent of Julian Edelman. I won't go that far. But I do think that he fits in that slot role really well. And we know how Tom Brady likes to utilize that position in order to, um, you know, get himself down the field when need be. Uh, so I do think that Scotty Miller is actually quietly, you know, sitting on a lot of waiver wires, not really, um, you know, popping off on uh, to anybody. But he could be a sneaky play this week if you're in a bind or, um, you know, if you have a player that, you know, like the Deshaun Jackson or Rieger, if you're one of those players, I would rather play Scotty Miller. Like that talk, uh, Mike Evans, obviously, with a lot of talk here was Arian saying that he feels bad when Evans gets less than 10 targets. Uh, we should see as Evans get healthier, he gets, you know, what, I think what does he, that mean? He actually, what does he like walk to his car and he's just like thinking, he's like, stupid, stupid. It's like Eeyore. Yeah, it's like Eeyore. Uh, I love how Arians loves that he's in it, like wants to be the extension of his quarterback. It's right. like he just loves his offense so much. He's like, man, I, I feel bad when we don't get him 10 targets. Like, you weren't throwing the ball there, Arians. Like, you, you don't throw it, Bruce. Like, you just call the play. But no, I thought that was uh, pretty interesting there. And, and just like, obviously, Mike Evans owners, there will be better days. I want to talk about this tight end position. Summy, is Gronk just a decoy, a name value? Do you think he's going to have better days? Is O.J. Howard finally here for the Arians offense? Because Tom Br Arians may not like tight ends. But Tom Brady has over his career. Yeah, absolutely. And we know Brady looks at the tight end. And you, we know that Brady's going to run this offense the way he, he likes it to be run, right? He has the weapons to do so right now. 
Um, I mean, Rob Gronkowski played 54 offensive snaps, 77% snap share. OJ Howard was just in for 53%. But OJ Howard ran more routes per snap than uh, than Gronk, and he also got out-targeted. Uh, I'm sorry, he out-targeted Gronk as well. So I do think OJ Howard's going to be the main pass-catching tight end. I mean, Gronk just kind of looked like, you know, the the 2018 Gronk, where you know he was injured and hobbled that whole season, and he he couldn't really get anything going. Um, he looks smaller than he used to be. And I do think OJ Howard's the more athletic tight end at this stage of his career. So uh, I like OJ Howard in redraft, um, especially, you know, if you lost Blake Jarwin, you could pick him up and, and see what he does for a week or two. And uh, you never know, you might have a top five on your head. Would you rather have like OJ keeping... Howard, rather OJ Howard or uh... Aiden Hurst? Aiden Hurst, 100%. I think so. Aiden Hurst to me, I, that one's Johnny, you seem very low on Hayden Hurst. I'm I'm yeah, extremely well, low on he, Hayden Hurst. I think that I think we bought in a little too quickly on Hayden Hurst, expecting things, and I I think that I also say it's, that his, it's, his ADP at the start of the offseason started off really high, but right. it did settle down. Like it, Hayden Hurst's ADP did settle down into a spot that I think he was worth it. Um, and I think with that many routes run, yeah. But I I mean I don't know I. I don't want to speak on OJ Howard. I just, I want to recuse myself from speaking on OJ Howard because all last year I hyped up OJ Howard and I loved him and he failed everybody. So I don't think I'm allowed to no, speak man. on him anymore. No, listen, the process was right. Okay. The process was right. And that's what we trust here. We don't trust uh, going out on a whim. Like we trust the process right. here. And OJ Howard, we know the talents there. We know his efficiencies there. I mean, he had Mark that's Andrews level. That's why I'm almost, that's why I'm more confident in OJ Howard than I am at, on, on Hayden Hurst because I'm like, well, at least I know like OJ Howard and he's getting those tart. Like you said, like I definitely think that he is the pass catching tight end that you're going to want uh, over the Rob Gronkowski. Sure, but I do feel like there's going to be a lot more volume in Atlanta than there is Tampa Bay, right? Where you see, like, they brought in a Leonard Fournette. You're going to see them try to uh, ground and pound eventually once sure. they, once this offense gets going, right? Where That's Atlanta, fair. it's 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 no run game. I mean, Todd Gurley, sure, um, he, he's just not going to be effective. You're, you're going to see Atlanta chuck the ball a lot. So I like Hayden. Well, the Carolina Panthers seem to be a team that's likely to chuck the ball a lot. Um, they yep. did so spreading that ball across their wide receivers in a big way. Teddy Bridgewater, for me, I just can't get behind starting him in fantasy uh, until I can see it put together, and especially not this week. Johnny, can you talk me into Teddy Bridgewater here, or are you with me on putting him on the bench this week? Yeah, I'm probably not going to play him this week uh, if I if I don't have to. In a two-quarterback league, uh, I'm I he would be lower on that. I think I have him right around like QB twenty two, uh, around there. But uh, I think that they'll be able to move the ball on this fence. I mean, a Drew Brees was ball. Certainly, they're going to use Christian McCaffrey run the ball. Um, and I think that they'll have a very similar game to New Orleans. So I I, I do think that in a pinch. You know, in a two quarterback league, Teddy Bridgewater is, is but again, I'm not thrilled. I don't think that there's a tremendous upside for Teddy Bridgewater. So, talk to me then, Johnny, about the wide receiving core because a lot of people on Twitter uh, have been saying that DJ Moore, there should be concern for him. Washed uh, up, Robbie dude. Anderson. Yeah, they, they are just the demise Why? of DJ Moore is out there. Curtis Samuel out there getting eight targets. Robbie Anderson out there getting eight targets. Now, Moore. To his, to his uh, defense, led the team in targets with nine. So I, I don't understand so much of the concern here 
I think that maybe there's just going to be a situation where Moore gets his as far as target and volume is concerned. And then one of Anderson and Samuel every week is probably going to get something too. And boy, did Anderson look like a guy you could snag as, as a really a week-to-week flex that could maybe win you that week. Just another example, by the way, of a uh, player getting away from Adam Gase and uh, flourishing. <laughs> free, free the players from Adam Gase. So, Johnny, the, these wide receivers, are you all in on DJ Moore still? Um, yeah, I'm definitely, I think he's a buy low right now. If I can go and yeah, this offense is just beginning to really start to see different defenses again. Like this is a brand new offense called for this, uh, for Carolina. So they are just working out the Kings, but you like to see, you know, some of the plays that they were having are big splash plays. And I understand it's not off the page, uh, for DK Moore, but you know, Pump the brakes like he's very talented. He is going to be the number one in this offense. They love him there. Um, and But, yes, Robbie Anderson will have his days. Curtis Samuel will have his days because uh, Matt Rule already come out and said that they'll have specific plays signed just for courtesy. So I do think that that will be a, a little hit or miss, though, on determining, hey, uh, which one would I roll with this week or Curtis Samuel? I, th- I would be more confident, you know, on a week-to-week production of Robbie Anderson. I think the dart throw and the ceiling is a little bit higher for him. But I think DJ like Moore the upside's there, like, for, for Robbie Anderson, right? Like, he's a guy that usually doesn't get eight targets in a game. Right. You give this guy eight targets in a game, and, like, I mean, you're starting to see what this guy, like, this could be pretty dangerous. So I think Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore should be guys you're trusting in, uh, especially with this team throwing so much. Samuel will have weeks, but it's just not going to be easy to predict, and, and you're not going to want that roller coaster. Speaking yeah. of a roller coaster ride you don't want to be on, the New York Football Jets will host the San Francisco 49ers this week, a 42 and a half point over under. San Francisco favored by seven on the road. Uh, I don't think we need to spend much time on the Jets, Sammy. Like, here's the deal I don't want any part of this team. I didn't want to draft Le'Veon Bell. I'm probably cutting ties with him, even though he's going to the three-week IR. I don't want him uh, really, if he comes back, neither does Adam Gates. I don't want any part of this backfield in replacing Le'Veon Bell. The only player I'm interested in, Jamison Crowder, but don't get fooled by a 69-yard touchdown. Uh, that's not going to – nice. Uh, that's not going to happen nice. every week. <laughs> Summy, <laughs> is there anything here that I got wrong with the Jets' breakdown? Not at all. Uh, I wouldn't be mad at you if you dropped Love Bell. I mean, listen, as long as Adam Gase is a coach here, I want nothing to do with this offense. Um, I want nothing to do on my fantasy team with a bad roster, with a bad team. Um, you know, if you're still trotting out Frank Gore, if you're still signing Kalen Balaj off, off of the free agency market, I mean, there's no hope for you guys. You know, this this offensive line isn't looking good. Sam Darnold, I mean, I feel sorry for the guy, but just a, a really shitty situation. You know, he's he's stuck here. With a with a really bad play caller, guy that's not doing him any favors. The scheme is Same. is can Gary V just Sam buy Darnold. that team already and just get a new coach <laughs> and just like we need to just sign the petition now of just like well Johnny you shared uh, earlier the GM saying that he believes that Adam Gase is a brilliant offensive oh my God. mind yeah he, uh, he ESPN yeah, just... asked him and he and he confirmed he doubled down he said I don't he not only said that he thinks. The, the the Adam Gase is quote unquote a brilliant offensive mind, but then he said, "I also think that the the vast majority of media and the public 
don't get their judgment correct on Adam Gase and just how good he is uh, on the offensive side of the football. And I'm like, I don't know what it is that they're they're Adam Gase is. It reminds people. me of Jason Garrett. Like, what does Adam Gase have? Some picture of of ownership with a you know doing stuff to a goat like or something? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're just they got a picture that he they don't want him to get out. I, I don't know what it is. Well, you I'm remember you remember a couple years ago the offensive line coach in Miami got caught with a little bit of nose yeah. candy. Yeah, so that's think, right. And yeah, he might, he might. From Gase, Gase was his plug. Yeah, exactly. You saw him in, the, you saw him in that <laughs> hey, yeah. news presser. He yeah, looked like he was dude. on some. <laughs> yeah, dude. All right, no more, no more wasted breath on the New York Jets. From well, one, I mean, one, one thing I just wanted, to, I just wanted to kind of mention Chris Herndon. I mean, I would recommend sticking with him for one, about one or two weeks. He has a pretty tough stretch right now coming up, but if he's able to produce in these in these couple of weeks, I would recommend. You know, he he's going to be a viable viable asset. Um, Ever the tight end. Ever the ever the tight end apologist, some of you. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, tight ends are thin. You gotta, you gotta, no, you gotta. No, I I would agree with that. I think her. You gotta go bargain shopping. You know. I mean, look, Might they have Indianapolis next week. Uh, then they're playing Denver at home. Then they're playing Arizona, who just got Isaiah Simmons. Uh, in the draft. Uh, hey, the Chargers out. Whoa, 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 whoa. He George Kittle did nothing. Thus, thank you very much. That's what I'm well, saying. Yeah, it's, 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 tougher, it's a tough. That's exactly what I'm saying. Oh. It's a tougher slate of matchups. But oh, if I thought Chris you were Herndon, saying that was when it started to turn. But I, yeah, I, I do agree with you that it'll start to turn around for Chris Herndon. And Sam's got to throw it to somebody. Like, it's. Well, I'm not be, saying. I'm not saying it's going to turn around. I'm saying okay. if it does turn around over the next couple of weeks, he's going to be worth holding on to. If he doesn't turn around, drop him. I think he will. Guys, I really tried to save Whisper Nation. Jets talk, and you guys just kept bringing us back there. <laughs> Can we move along, please, from one wannabe offensive mind uh, or brilliant offensive mind to a real brilliant mm-hmm. offensive mind? Yes. Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers, but they're banked up, uh, Sammy, and, and we've got some issues here. Jimmy G looking weird, looking bad, uh, missing some wide-open looks, really getting George Kittle injured uh, for on that play. Uh, yeah. Talk to me about this San Fran offense. Yeah, that was a, that was a straight hospital ball that he chucked up to Kittle there. Um, you know, I do want to start with Kittle really quickly. I mean, without Kittle, this offense really isn't the same. Uh, they brought in Jordan Reed. He's not going to be able to do the same things that that, that Kittle does, especially not uh, at this point in his career. Um, I, I am concerned about Kittle because he suffered the same injury last year on the same knee against Arizona on Halloween night. And John Lynch, he was pretty optimistic that, you know, Hey, Kittle's going to play the next week. Don't worry about it. What happens, his knee starts swelling up, and he sits out for the, the following two weeks, week 10 and 11 last year. But then he returned week 12, and he won ham. You know, he caught six balls for 129 yards and a touchdown. So I'm not too concerned, but I think, you know, if you do have Kittle, I'd be making other plans as of right now. Yeah, uh, he I picked up Goddard in, in the few leagues that I did have Kittle in uh, as a, as a you know, defense mechanism to try, yeah, to try and buffer between there. Absolutely. Uh, Especially, you know, these are those situations when you go early on these positions. Some of you talked about going early on quarterback. When you go early on tight end, the idea is I'm going to get an advantage at that position. Well, Not if they're banged up, you're like, you know, that advantage is gone. And now you're just swimming with the rest of the mucky muck down there. Now um, you're looking so for a running back. It, hey, but it happens, it happens with RBs too. So, uh, I mean, oh, yeah, for Miles sure. Sanders. 100%. So walk us And that's why you draft points. So Kittle's banged up. We I, I don't know that we can trust much of the wide receiving core. Uh, I I do think that Trent Taylor in daily fantasy is a decent um, 
a, a decent play here. But I think that, you know, the running back situation, because I think that's really what's going to lead the team in targets. Right, Sammy? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Kendrick Bourne would probably be the better option here just because he ran more routes, uh, saw more snaps. Um, and, you know, he's he's playing against uh, Pierre Desir, who got benched for his uh, former teammate, Nate Harrison, last week, you know, who's just as bad. So I think Kendrick Bourne does have an exploitable matchup, as okay. does Dante Pettis. But Dante Pettis only saw one target last week. But, uh, yeah, the running game You're here. You're trying to make Dante Pettis happen. You're just going to drive. I'm just, I'm just sneaking it in there, you know, in case he has a blow-up game. Okay. Listen, I, I can see a world I could see a world where Dante Pettis goes, like, 4 for 4, 120 well, yards. And this, this, Jets team, this Jets team just gave up 300 yards to, to Josh Allen. Yeah. First time in his career. Like, let's I think, let's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, the, the running game, though. Go ahead, Johnny. Sorry. Well, I, I was just, I mean, you're about to talk about the running game. I, I do want to bring up um, I do think that Tevin Coleman is someone that uh, if we're dropped on your waiver wire that you should possibly go pick up if you have a bench stash. Now, I know he wasn't used heavily, you know, last week and week one. But a lot of that, uh, there are reports coming out that it could have been due to the air quality because he, he actually has the sickle cell trait. And so um, they were saying that it could have been why they limited him was because of that. So not not necessarily because they want to uh, get him out of this rotation. So I think it is interesting uh, for a stash to get just to see maybe how they do use Tevin Coleman. But I was going to ask you guys, how do you guys think that they Kevin Coleman, are are they going to use him as that you know secondary kind of goal line guy, or do you think they're just going to keep it with Mostert and McKinnon? Yeah, I mean, so I was just going to propose a contrarian take. I mean, we saw Tevin Coleman last year; he did not look good, man. He did not look good. He didn't look like the Tevin Coleman on on Atlanta with Shanahan, and you know Shanahan just refused to give up on him. He continued to use him on first and second down, early downs. Uh, even in, even on passing downs, I think with McKinnon healthy now, you know, Brito went away. Brito was not really the best pass catcher there. McKinnon, though, is really intriguing because McKinnon's really soaking up all those targets. He's really there on the third third and fourth downs. He's really there, you know, uh, taking over that role that we thought that Tevin Coleman could have. And, you know, they've paid McKinnon here, so I think they're more inclined to use him over uh, Tevin Coleman, who hasn't been really that efficient for Kyle Shanahan. So... I mean, I wouldn't really roster Tevin Coleman at this point if he was dropped. Jarek McKinnon, I do think, is the guy that you do want to own. I, you know, Raheem Mostert still, still seeing the goal line work. He's still that dude. We know who he is. Um, he did catch a couple more balls than I expected last yeah, week. But that was wild. You know, like, Just that after was, that I was say, really... hey, he's not going to catch anything, and then he takes a 80-yard yeah, I remember, 80 yard I remember Johnny that. saying that because Johnny was saying that Mostert wouldn't get any passing work on our lineup show. <laughs> And Mostert took one to the house, and we were like, uh, it was, like it was the, a weird week for like running back targets last think, week. I think Mostert has to be started uh, going forward until we're of proven course. otherwise, just because of the, the rushing work. But McKinnon is actually a sneaky flex play, especially in this matchup against the yep. Jets, where they don't, you know, we just talked about the wide receiving core, and we all three talked about different wide receivers start. Uh, I feel better about starting McKinnon than any of those wide receivers, just based on the way he profiles out of this backfield for them. So, uh, I yeah. think this is a, this is the spot to fire him up as a flex. Um, I want to ask you guys: Would you go with like a Jarek McKinnon or a Zach Moss? I would roll with Zach Moss. Um, yeah, because Zach know, Moss is gonna for sure get the goal line. 
that and like we know that you know they want it they want zach moss to kind of take over that frank gore role from last year just a little bit more efficient version which is the short yardage goal line carries and he is going to be involved in the passing game um and he's splitting with devin singletary sure and even though his upside is capped with josh allen there i do think zach moss is overall going to see more volume than um than jarek mckinnon all right our next game is the pittsburgh steelers with ben roethlisberger Roethlisberger back in tow. <laughs> Haven't said that either. Yeah, geez. And then hosting the Denver Broncos. Uh, it's a 43-point over-under. Pretty low over-under for this game. Fifth, um, Pittsburgh favored by six. So uh, the the whole situation here, Johnny, is you, know, you were either on one side of the fence with Ben Roethlisberger this offseason. You were saying he's not going to be able to come back from this elbow injury. He's washed. Uh, he's just, you know, there's no way I can trust him. Or you were saying Ben was back. Well, I believe we saw that Big Ben was back. Uh, we saw what this offense could be capable of, especially when they went to two-minute uh, or like the two-minute drill at the end of the first half. You saw it. You saw Deontay Johnson get some look. Uh, with this running game banged up, I'm excited about this offense, especially through the passing game. I uh, when that when that game first kicked off for the first you know half quarter couple of drives I was real concerned because I was like if we just buy into a very unreal possibility that um, Ben Roethlisberger is not who we hoped he could be uh, but then they did get it together they started to move along like that offensive line started to actually uh, click and gel together so that was nice to see did see Ben Roethlisberger start to put things together. Um, Here's my concern. All right, I I love the wide receiver group that they've got there, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, and Deontay Johnson. I am super excited about both of them. I think as long as Big Ben is healthy, Juju is going to be a stud. Uh, and then I think that Deontay Johnson is uh, probably another guy that you can go and probably buy low on because he didn't have the biggest night uh, as far as you know out. He only had 57 yards. He did have the fumble. And kind of like uh, somebody was talking about earlier on this show, how like people put the, you know, primetime games under a microscope and they look at those and he didn't pop off the page. So a lot of people are like, oh no, kind of panicking on uh, Deontay Johnson. And so I would go out and trade him because he got 10 targets. That's a lot of targets. That's a B type of targets. And we know that big Ben likes those kind of shifty wide receivers that he could just get the ball to you. And you do, you know, you get the yards, you do the work. And I think that that's going to be continued uh, in the game plan. Uh, him and kind of nice to see Ben go to Deontay with such ferocity after the fumble. Like it's like yeah. he was just willing him into existence in that game. Uh, you could kind of see that. And it's like as Deontay got it going, so did that offense, so to speak. You know, obviously Juju made the splashes with the two wide open touchdowns. But it was really Deontay Johnson moving the chains and getting the offense going with the big plays. Um, so I'm excited about that. On the other side, we saw James Conner. And I, I hate to do this to you, Summy, because I know you're invested across the board in James Conner. I hate to do it to myself because he was my bromance. Literally what felt like uh, the first play of the game. I know it wasn't that. Uh, but James Conner rolls his ankle up and is gone for the rest of the game. Benny Snell comes in, does really well. How are you feeling about this backfield? Um, do you think that Benny Snell is a season uh, play here? Um, or do you think it's just going to be similar to last year where we never knew when Connor would be ready or not? I think Benny Snell could absolutely turn into the season long value here. Um, James Connor, I mean, 
I agree with you. It seemed like the first carry of the of the of the, the year for him. He saw six carries, but he went down with the ankle injury. He didn't practice today, and it's not looking good for his availability for week two. And Benny Snell, I think if you scooped him up on waivers, you have at least uh, an RB2 or better. I would even say, I mean, yeah, sure, he's going up against Denver, but this offense is going to be high-powered with Big Ben under center. Um, we saw it start clicking, like you guys had mentioned, um, as the game went on, and I think Big Ben's just going to get better as he starts throwing more passes, dropping back a little bit more. So I think Benny Snell in this offense being the bell cow, it's it's very valuable. Uh, we want that uh, bell cow. But I think if James Conner does come back, he does reclaim his lead dog duties as long as he can stay healthy. Uh, even if Benny Snell does start eating into his work just a little bit more, um, James Conner's still the guy to own if he's healthy. All right, moving on to the Denver Broncos. Johnny, we've got Drew Locke uh, kind of all over the place, but did look better than year one, that's for sure. I did think he had more command of the offense. Uh, but he wasn't anything to write home about. This backfield suffered an injury, obviously, with Philip Lindsay. So Melvin Gordon seems locked in. Um, anything there for Royce Freeman, though, Johnny? Royce Freeman is interesting. I mean, I'm not really going out and picking him up unless I'm in like a team league. I, I mean, we just once Royce Freeman uh, came in. Sorry, my my boys. Or even upset about uh, when Royce Freeman. So once Royce Freeman came in, or I mean, sorry, once uh, Philip Lindsay got injured, uh, Royce Freeman wasn't used uh, as much as Philip Lindsay was. You, um, you know, going back and splitting between Melvin Gordon, it, it just kind of became the Melvin Gordon show. So I believe that Melvin Gordon fire him up. I know it's not the best matchup. Of course, you're going up against Pittsburgh Steelers, who just bottled up uh, Saquon Barkley for six yards. And you're saying, Johnny, but you should start him. You're saying start Melvin Gordon. Um, I think that they'll have a different game plan against him. I don't think, I, I do think that Sutton has a chance to play. And as long as that happens, then, um, uh, then Melvin Gordon um, won't be the focal pull. It won't have to. They won't try to load up that offensive line, stop him, and make Drew Lock uh, beat. But I mean, are you comfortable starting Melvin Gordon though against against Pittsburgh? Is that is that a spot? In, like, would you start him? Yeah, sorry. Like, I would I would start him over like a David Montgomery. I would start. Uh, I I actually even feel. Probably not over Dobbins. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't start him over Dobbins. But like DeAndre Swift, I would, I would start him over. I, start him over Devin Singletary. I would, yes. I would start him over Devin. Okay, Singletary. would you start him over Todd Gurley? Um, I do like Todd Gurley's matchup. I think it's it's real close between the two. But that's kind of I where I draw. I think it's going to depend on where we can, what we can get out of Melvin Gordon in the passing game in this game because I think that's really going. to for him let's move along here to the wide receiving core uh summy Cortland sutton trying to work his way back from that shoulder injury is this a similar re-injury risk that we were talking about with jalen rieger are you concerned about Cortland sutton going forward yeah i mean you know i, I the, the stuff i have been reading about Cortland sutton it sounds like you know he can play through it but he's going to need a procedure done uh in the off season so that's unfortunate to hear but I think Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy, I mean, yeah, sure, he had a couple drops in his first uh, first game as a rookie, so you got to yeah. kind of have to forgive him for that. Monday Night um, Football yeah, as dude, a rookie, they, they put him. Let's yeah. get to him. 
Dude, they yeah. put him. They put him on the uh, the injury report uh, because he had a really bad case of the drops, dude. <laughs> we got to get him some uh, some medicine for that. Yeah. But Judy's a Judy's a playmaker. Um, I think you How can easily was Jerry Judy getting though. Oh yeah. I mean, just ridiculous. And that's that's kind of what it is, right? That's what you want to see. Like, if if you can make it easier on a second year quarterback like Drew Locke, where you're open. Um, and you can just kind of hit him open downfield. I think that's that's really, really good for the development of a quarterback like Drew Locke, uh, who I think needs a little bit extra help. Uh, but one one guy I was going to mention, I mean, Tim Patrick, he he's kind of sneaky there. You know, they 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 look to him. He's been in the system for two years now, and, and they kind of look to him as as a veteran presence without. Drew Corlin Locke completely there. overthrew Tim Patrick on what have been a, a go-ahead touchdown uh, yep. down the seam. It, w- it was a really beautiful route that he ran. Just a go route, but, I mean, it was just like, Come on, hit that route. If that hits. about KJ Hamler because KJ Hamler is supposed to uh, possibly give it a go in this game. And this is where I have my pause of concern for Jerry Judy because if you look at where Jerry getting targeted uh, in in that game on Monday, it was in the slot. It came out of the slot um, uh, routes. And if KJ Hamler is good to go this weekend, KJ Hamler has been playing the slot all during camp he's the one that has been having the magnificent magnificent gosh magnificent i can't even say it now magnificent, magnificent <laughs> thank you no no uh, let's call it magnificent let's yeah, just look magnificent. Like uh he has that's had the how magnificent it was he yeah. can't even say it i know that's how ma- yeah exactly but uh hamler had had the the most uh success during camp and beat reporters are raving about it. so you uh, is there any concern i under i know you talked about the tim patrick um are, where would you put w- would you be willing to put a waiver wire stash out for kj hamler do you think he's going to be that guy that would be the go-to no i mean i i normally don't like to have rookie wide receivers on my team uh, if i can avoid it uh, i don't think kj hamler is gonna you know under drew lock uh, i don't think he's gonna have you know, crazy upside in a, in a redraft here in a 12-teamer or for even a 14-teamer. Uh, it's encouraging that he is practicing in full. I do think he's going to help out stretch the field for this offense, right? Like you have Tim Patrick there on one side. If you have KJ Hamler coming out of the slot, um, you know, running a post route, I think that's really dangerous to defense. And I think it's going to, you know, Jerry Judy's talented enough to play on the outside. So I'm not too concerned about Jerry Judy, uh, you know, being relegated to the outside. I and saw enough of Jerry wide. Judy getting completely just wide open to be yeah. trusted. And then the eight targets was super uh, encouraging. Much like CeeDee Lamb, I'm way more encouraged with Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb after week one than I thought I would be just based on the role that's possible in the offense with injuries and other things like that. You yep. need to make a note about Noah Fant. If you invested late round in Noah Fant, went five for six for 81 and a touchdown, looked like that athletic tight end. And a, and a nice part of this offense to really take advantage of some matchups. This is a tough draw. Probably see a lot of Minka Fitzpatrick this week, um, but you, you do like uh, starting him and just hoping for that touchdown because it's going to be one of the few ways maybe this offense can move the ball without Cortland. Yeah, he has, a, he has a, t- a tough draw this week and a little bit of a t- tough draw next week, Tampa Bay. But if you can buy him low after that, I would highly suggest it because I do think that Noah Fant, uh, he showed me a lot on that Monday night game. Show me that I think it is potentially one of those breakout tight ends, the top five. Yeah, Our next game, 
Go Sorry, just want to just want to say he was ranked number two in yards per route run in week one amongst tight ends. Uh, yeah, 3. baby, 3. I love it. Noah Fant is a guy I benched or I moved on from Hayden Hurst because of uh, because I had Noah Fant, so I was okay go. with that. Needed to get some roster right spot. Uh, Whoever so breaks that, out first. That's a great business <laughs> yeah. decision right there. Put that put yeah, that exactly. uh put that cancer on the waiver wire. Have somebody else pick up that bomb <laughs> and go off on their roster. <laughs> on our next matchup, we will see the Jacksonville Jaguars travel to Tennessee to face the Tennessee Titans. Another low over under, 42 and a half points with man, our boys Jacksonville just getting disrespected. Tennessee favored by nine points in this one. They must think that their field goal kicker can make three field goals in this uh this uh, line, game this line opened up at uh 10 and a half actually so oh it's moved yeah it's swung in the favor hey, of Jack- get some jacksonville. Hey, i think i go think jacksonville, jacksonville. I, you're gonna, I i think jacksonville wins this game i did not like what i saw out of tennessee and maybe it was just the kicker and being in prime time i didn't feel very confident but that doesn't mean it can't switch around this team's well coached uh we see we we know that much um obviously the headline here is Skowski missing a bunch of kicks, but I mean, Corey Davis trying to pull a Devonte Parker here, guys. Like I think Mac from the Saturday morning snap football podcast was telling us, you know, he called the Devonte Parker breakout. Do you get so many years that you can call it? But now <laughs> this off season was trying to say uh, that maybe Corey Davis finally gets it together. So some of y'all start with you on this wide receiving core thoughts on Corey Davis, finally putting it together. I know you said you, sneakily picked up Corey Davis before the Monday night. Yeah, in a couple leagues. So, I mean, I saw, you know, I had an extra roster spot to flex, and I was like, you know what? The signs are, I'm not the biggest believer in Corey Davis, but look at the signs, right? You have A.J. Brown, a breakout wide receiver one, right? Who's going to be taking attention away from Corey Davis. And I think we just need to see a little bit of a, I mean, he impressed. He, He was wide open on a couple of those routes, and Corey Davis really looked like the true wide receiver that these guys that that this team drafted him to be he's in a contract year he has a busted hamstring but he still caught seven balls for 101 yards and i think that was the most impressive part about it where you know a game where aj brown you know so if you're watching this on the video you could see Summy's schoolboy smile as he talks about Corey davis i I think he, he feels really excited about what he got here in Corey davis now i'll give you that he did look good um i do think that there's better days ahead for aj brown Johnny, this is the situation we kind of talked about with A.J. Brown. If there was downside, would be that this vol- – I mean, is is Brian Tannehill going to throw 43 times every week? No, but here's also the side. Like, A.J. Brown felt like he was gassed. He he was not his normal self. Uh, I mean, he, he should have had, had a touchdown in that game, and then all of a sudden it's like no one's really talking about it because he's got 10 fantasy points. Uh, here's what I'll say on the Corey Davis front. Uh, I want to believe it because I want to believe I I have an autographed Jersey by him. And so I want to believe in, in it for that. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, I, my buddy had texted me and said, you know, Hey, do you believe in the, in the Corey Davis hype? And, uh, he said, you know, seven for 101. I'm like, I want to see it again because I've seen a good game by Corey Davis before last year with, uh, you know, with terrible, you know, with terrible quarterback play. Um, and he just isn't consistent. And that was the problem. So I do think that, you know, they could kind of send, I, I don't think that AJ Brown was fully a hundred percent in this game, whether it be conditioning or something 
injury-related. I don't know, but he didn't look right. And so I think that that's why they were going more so to Corey Davis. Um, but I don't think that you should panic on A.J. Brown. But, yeah, like, this is going to be a floor. Like, people have floor time. Um, I wouldn't pan panic on A.J. Brown. In fact, I would go out and try to trade for A.J. Brown uh, if that owner is a little bit panicked. And I have. I have tried to uh, trade for A.J. Brown in several leagues, but no one wants well, this is also part of the regression that we saw incoming, right, from Tennessee, where you know they didn't they didn't punt the ball or they didn't kick a field goal. What what was yeah, it? That like was ten games. Well. So it's like you know Converted we expected the red some zone, regression, think, like seventy percent of the time, which is like unheard of for NFL numbers. Yeah, so we expected some regression in this offense, and I think you know it's going to come in the form of AJ Brown not being able to average twenty yards plus per per reception. I think that's going to take a hit. I think his touchdown numbers are going to take a hit. But I also feel like, you know, Corey, Day there's, there's Ryan Daniels. He's a good enough quarterback to support two wide receivers. Um, and I think Corey Davis could see a pretty good year this year next to AJ Brown. There could be a situation where they do have to throw a lot more. They didn't have to throw that much last year and they were hyper efficient. So maybe this is. They got a lot where, of turnovers last look, year as well. So look, um, if AJ Brown connects with Tannehill and gets a touchdown, we're talking about both AJ Brown and Corey Davis being like Summy said. Uh, you know, capable of both having good weeks. And then look at the other end, Jonu Smith, the tight end. Tight end seven on the week, went four of seven for 36 yards and a touchdown. A little concern here, guys. His average depth of target was only 2.57. Uh, but you did like how the way they were getting creative to move him around. They put him in a screen that was really nice. Um, and I think the way they're, they're steaming him around, his athleticism in this offense, I do kind of like. And uh, so if you took Jonu Smith, uh, late round, you're sticking with him. He looked okay, and, and he should go forward. I want to go to week one surprise team here, Jacksonville. Guys, Gardner Minshew threw one incompletion last week, went 19-20 for 173 yards and three touchdowns. Um, this is going to be tough to get Tennessee here, but it's kind of, to me, guys, and maybe call me crazy, this could have been Minshew's floor because he only threw for 173 yards. Like, And it wasn't that the Colts were playing such – you know, suffocating defense. He was just hyper efficient. I mean, he was throwing open receivers. He was making good decisions. Um, I think that this team is actually going to be a lot sneakily better on offense. You look at the weapons. I mean, James Robinson actually had some bursts, looked nice. Uh, you know, sixty-nine percent of the rushing market share. Speaking of nice, uh, you're going to you're going to face a Tennessee squad. They gave up twenty-six for one hundred and seven to the Denver running backs last week. Um, so I like James Robinson. He's getting a lot of that work. And um, so I, I would go there. But I want to talk about this wide receiving core, Johnny. DJ Shark, Keelan Cole, and LaVisca Chanel all getting work last week. I mean, DJ Shark, not so much. Three for three for 25. But he should be the guy, especially if uh, Minshew throws for more than 173 yards, right? Yeah, well, I believe it's uh, three for five uh, for 25 yards uh, for oh, DJ Shark. Um I wanted to bring that. The reason I bring that up is because a lot of people, um, you know, they they look at, oh, but he only threw for 173 yards. But there were a couple of deep down the field pass interference calls uh, for DJ Chark got one of those. And um, I believe uh, Cole was the other one. Um, but anyway, so that could have those numbers could have been a lot bigger. Uh, than what they are. And I do expect, like you said, you pointed it out really well here. Um, you know, Tennessee's uh, corners do give up. They did. They were giving up plays down the field. So 
Um, and we all we all thought that Denver's offense looked decent, uh, a lot better than we all thought it was going to. So, given Gardner Minshew how he looked, I expect Gardner Minshew to actually have a pretty big day uh, this weekend, and I actually don't mind him as a streamer option. And I'm excited for this, and I wouldn't panic on DJ Chark. Fortunately, you know, fortunately for the owners, he did get the touchdown. Unfortunately, for people who don't have DJ Chark, um, you can't really buy low because he still put up a decent fantasy day. Uh, but I might test the waters on DJ Chark because I think uh, there, there's definitely better days ahead for that. But as far as these other two wide receivers, I want to throw it back to you guys because um, on one on one aspect or one side of it, You've got Keenan Cole, who I would have been a big fan of him a couple of years ago. He never truly got to the full potential uh, that they were hoping. But he has a good show uh, on, on week one. There are beat reporters saying that he could potentially uh, be uh, more involved in this offense. But then you also have LaVisca Chenault, who uh, pro football uh, grades as one of the best uh, wide receiver, the second best wide receiver, according to player profiler to come out of college behind CeeDee Lamb. And he also had a very uh, nice day as well. But here's the difference between Keelan Cole and LaVisca Chenault. LaVisca Chenault, they actually designated plays for, you know, they lined him up all over Wildcat uh, out of the slot, out of outside, whereas Keelan Cole was kind of just designated to the uh, wide receiver outside role. So if you had to take a shot at one of these two, because I think there is a potential here uh, for one of these guys to be fantasy relevant, who would that be? Keelan Cole or Chenault? I think uh, I think Chenault would be my go-to guy here. Um, but I think it's also concerning for D.D. Westbrook. I mean, he was a healthy scratch in this game. Yeah, so he's that out, shows, dude. He's out the floor. That kind of just shows that, you know, this this offense is it's looking to kind of evolve. And LaVisca Chenault, he's a tank, man. Like his play where he scored, it was it was a, it was a thing of beauty, and he's such a versatile piece, and he's going to be such a good piece for this offense. I mean, I like Keelan Cole a lot too. Um, I think he just had a bad case of of the drops. He just had really bad hands for the last like two years. Uh, he really broke out his rookie season towards the back half of it, and um, that he was had really an amazing impressive. catch like a year or two years ago with that one handed down the he had an OBJ line. catch. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was like in week like 15 where, you know, he was really coming on strong and I thought he was really primed for a breakout the next season. But listen, if he gets the opportunity, Keelan Cole could be a sneaky like ceiling play because, you know, he saw 33 snaps. Uh, LaVisca, LaVisca Chanel saw 31. So I do expect LaVisca to kind of take over uh, as the second option for Minshew here. But Keelan Cole, man, if, you, if you're seeing that sort of average depth of target, it's you're bound to connect with Gardner Minshew and... There's two big. factors for me with Chanel. Um, well, there's a few, but Chanel obviously talked about his prospects as a as a you know pure prospect. He was one of the most raw receivers I've seen in a while uh, come out, and he just looked so talented. He was my favorite wide receiver in our rookie show this year, um, but I didn't love the matching uh, the ma- uh, the landing spot. But I love his versatility in this offense. They ran him uh, like they kind of did at Colorado, where you're going to put him in the wildcat a little bit. Um, I like that they're lining him up all over the field. This is a guy that can play all over the field, and he makes contested catches, so you're not afraid to throw him open because he will get that done. But that touchdown really was the thing that sealed it for me, and I know you don't want to talk about touchdowns as being something you can prove, but it was the style that he did it. It was a broken play. It was unscripted, and he kind of just moved to where Minshew 
needed to be. He moved Minshew with his body, and Minshew just threw it, and they seemed to be on sync. And that and that's really good signs for a rookie to be in sync with his quarterback. I mean, you, it's just for me, like I, I just really like what I'm seeing out of Chenault, and I think for a rookie that that's what you like to see. I love Keelan Cole, but I think he might actually be more volatile than the rookie. I do agree. Uh, not, um, I just wanted to add just one thing in. I mean, the matchup this week with Keelan Cole going up against Chris Jackson in the slot. I really like that matchup. I think you can exploit that. I think uh, for DFS, Keelan Cole is a, a solid dart throw there. All right, moving on to the next game. We're going to talk to Green Bay Packers hosting the Detroit Lions. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, 15-5 and five career against the Lions. Aaron Rodgers just toasted the Minnesota Vikings. Aaron Rodgers on a revenge tour, maybe. I love it, baby, as a Green Bay Packer fan. I just want to keep talking about how Aaron Rodgers just dusted the Vikings that looked great, 32 of 44 for 364 yards, four TDs and no picks. This team was aggressive in the second half. They continued to throw even when they were up. Um, I like what we're seeing out of here. And if the question is, can this be sustained? Well, this is the team you face in Detroit. When you want to sustain that kind of play, uh, you're going to be able to attack these corners because Mitch Trubisky just did it. If Mitch Trubisky can do it, so can Aaron Rodgers. So fire up Aaron Rodgers, of course. And you know what? It was encouraging, Johnny. Oh, saw by the Aaron. way, I just want to say I love how you just compared Trubisky to Aaron Rodgers. I just, uh, I just want to get that. Out. I didn't compare. No, 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 no. Oh, no. yeah, we just that, dude. You compared me. I just, dude. I, we need to clip that out. Yeah, we need I to make am that standalone. That out, dude. Everyone oh, is hearing oh, that. Crap. No, dude, you're not clipping anything. I said oh. if Mitch Trubisky can do it, so can Aaron Rodgers. That's yeah. not comparing the two. Yeah, you are. But they're not. They're nothing alike. You're saying if the greatness <laughs> of Mitch Trubisky can happen, it can happen for Aaron Rodgers. That's what you just oh, I said. I did not say the greatness. Unreal, right, dude. Anyways, Johnny, I think we're we're pretty encouraged here by Aaron Jones. If you took a chance on Aaron Jones in the late second round, you really liked what you saw. I mean, I know they even worked in Jamal Williams, Tyler Irvin. I mean, A.J. Dillon got two carries, but Aaron Jones, 16 carries for 66 yards, and that magic number, Johnny, six targets. Only 10 yards through the air, but four of six, Johnny, uh, and, and you like that. So are, are we? could we have been a little bit wrong on Aaron Jones, or are you still concerned season long? Well, I think it definitely kind of naturally made him a value, right? Because for a while he was being drafted very high, in the second round and that wasn't where we liked it uh you know as far as the volatility we we thought that there was um you know other running backs to take away some of the volume uh and so what ended up happening was closer to drafts or to the season he actually became more of a value because he was dropping to the late second early third and i think that for what you're getting and it's actually kind of perfect because a lot of people were expecting the uh for him to regress in the passing and the receptions, but based on what they're doing, and I understand just one size, and you know maybe they did notice that the corners and stuff of the secondary for Minnesota isn't the greatest, so that's where you attack them. But you gotta like that you know they are getting Aaron Jones still involved in that passing game, and if they continue to throw at this at this great they are going to keep him involved in the passing round so he did become a great value i like aaron jones i think he's solid i he's not going to be the major bell cow and i know that's disappointing to hear for a lot of whisper nation or a lot of people that own him uh, or roster him uh they're disappointed because oh i wanted the bell cow 
but it's okay. He is going to be efficient with what he is. He's a great football player. He's going to continue to be efficient, especially with this Aaron Rodgers-led offense that has a chip on it. I mean, switching gears to the pass catchers here because uh, both Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling popped up on my waiver column, and it was frustrating to try and rank the two one ahead of the other. I just, you know, obviously Lazard seems to be the safe, making uh, smart uh, decisions. Um, I don't want to skim over Devontae Adams, but clearly we know Devontae Adams getting 17 targets, including six red zone targets, is the man. That's who we thought he was. If you have to question whether you should start Aaron Rodgers, or, I mean, uh, Devontae Adams probably shouldn't play. Yeah, exactly. So going on to Alan Lazard, though, Summy, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, how do you see this shaking out? Would you invest in these uh, in these receivers if you believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to be continuing to throw because he's pissed at the league and Matt LaFleur is basically going to let that happen? Which guy are you investing in? Yeah, I think... Uh... That's tough, man. Between Alan Lazard and MVS, I think I want to roll with Alan Lazard. Um, MVS, just to me, I'm not fully bought in, especially after his rookie season and especially being in the doghouse last year with Aaron Rodgers. I think it's, I think he's on a shorter leash than Alan Lazard, where, you know, Aaron Rodgers was coming out praising Alan Lazard and, and, and telling us how much he likes connecting with him down the field. And, you know, it was really interesting because Green Bay actually had the best uh, pass-blocking offensive line in Week 1. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what he can do with a banged-up Detroit secondary here. I think all these pass catchers have an opportunity to eat this week. I love all their matchups. You know, they're getting back Jeffrey Arcuda. Uh He's coming back. Uh, I think he's practicing uh, this week as well. But Daryl Roberts and Desmond Trufant, they're still not practicing. So I think, you know, all these pass catchers, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, especially Devontae Adams, they're going to have another smash spot this week. And I think you can start any one of these guys. Uh, flex options more so. Start them Lazard. all. Start them all. Start them all. Look, I love what Marquez Valdez-Scantling did, and I want to believe, too. I think I did rank Lazard just a hair above him in the, in the waiver column. And that's really about the snap percentage, right, and then the mental errors. So Alan Lazard played 87% of the snap share to MVS's 54%. He caught all of his targets for 63 and a touch touchdown did Alan Lazard. MVS, though, is definitely a big play threat in this offense. Yeah, We've seen the big lead. He got down the field. He stretched the field out. He had four red zone targets. He should have had two touchdowns. He had one on a beautiful strike. Honestly, he ran the better route. Aaron Rodgers kind of threw it a little bit behind MVS and had, he had to come back just a little bit. So I love that. I love to see what MVS is able to do there. But he had two horrendous drops, including what would have been a walk-in score against Minnesota. Yeah. So if he doesn't clean that up, we know Aaron Rodgers will blacklaw his wide receiver. But Podfather made an interesting point here. This team will probably not use a tight end. Sternberger is just not getting it done. I know they like Robert Tanyan for time to time. But if this team doesn't employ the tight end, then you're going to actually see a situation where maybe Alan Lazard and MVS every week could be plays that you could trust in just based on pure upside alone. This yeah. is a week to do it. Fire up your Packers. On the other side of the ball, guys, we've got the Detroit Lions. Um, Kenny G still not practicing here. That's concerning. Matthew Stafford, um, look, I, I know that Kirk Cousins got some stuff going late, and I think that Stafford's the kind of quarterback that could do that. But if we look at against this uh, Packers defense, he's never finished better than QB 12 in his last three things versus Packers. Um, 
They, the Lions surrendered one sack, five QB hits to Chicago. Green Bay had two sacks and four QB hits on Minnesota. So I know that that pass rush is going to get after it. I'm kind of concerned again this week for Matthew Stafford, especially if Kenny G can't go. Donnie, I want to talk about the running backs here. Talk to me about how this kind of shaked out, because we know you love DeAndre Swift, and he did lead the team in snaps. So surprise, surprise. Uh, I am going to say that if there is any running back that I'm starting out of this backfield, it is going to be DeAndre Swift, uh, and I'll tell you why. Um, I understand Adrian Peterson gets the carries. He had 14 for 93, averaged 6.6 yards per carry last week. He, he looked great. He, um, I, I'll give it to him. Like continues to look good and define odds. He's going to get carries this week as well. He'll probably get you know another 14 carries. Um, maybe maybe a couple less. But and and this is the key point on why I would actually start uh, Andre Swift over um, a guy like Adrian Peterson in your flex. And that's simply because if you look at the over-under and the spread, 49.5 is the over-under, 6 is the spread, which means that Detroit is probably going to be losing in this game. Well, we know that... Well, they're definitely going to be losing. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we know that Adrian Peterson does not catch the ball out of the backfield. We also know that on Johnson, you could just go ahead. I'm sorry, Summer, you could plug your ears here. But you can go ahead and put a fork in on Johnson. He's done. Um, DeAndre Swift will be playing more uh, in this game, more than he even did last year. Travis so graciously said that he had the highest snap share of any running back at 44%. He also had uh, five targets last uh, week, um, which will be interesting. That should also go up if they are uh, trailing. So I, if he catches the touchdown. Yeah, if he catches the touchdown yeah. as well. Um, and, yeah. and as well as that, he was getting the goal line work. That's also key um, uh, in that Dalvin Cook had two touchdowns, rushing touchdowns last week uh, in in the red zone. And so if there's going to be Wait, guys. Dalvin Cook? Yeah. You said Dalvin Cook. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. What? I'm, oh. I'm sorry, did I? I, I might have said somebody else's name. I meant Dalvin Cook. If I did not say Dalvin Cook, uh, Dalvin Cook got, uh, he had two rushing touchdowns last, last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. He yep. did. Yep. So, he scored twice. So, so we think that if we're going to make a bet here, you're going to make it on Swift. Are you actually okay starting Swift, which would probably be in, in someone's flex? If, he, if I'm starting him, he would have to be in my flex. I don't feel confident as my RB2. It's definitely, it would be a flex. And you might have better options. So, I mean, I'm going to assume that Kenny G is not playing in this game. He is not practicing as of Wednesday. Hamstrings can tend to linger. And this team has already said they want to be safe with him. Uh, yep. Whatever the hell that means, Patricia, just keep going. But Marvin Jones was your pick last week to kind of do this because we know Marvin Jones is a good wide receiver. He had eight targets, only caught four of them for five yards. What I thought was interesting was Danny Amendola who's kind of playing that golden Tate role for Matthew Stafford, especially in that game last week where he was struggling elsewhere, five catches for uh, on seven targets for 81 yards. Green Bay right. just gave up 82 yards to slot wide receivers last week. How do you see this wide receiving core shaking out? And uh, was Amendola somebody that you would target on waivers? Um, so I think this wide receiver core, like it's, it's interesting, right? Because we might see uh, Jair Alexander, we might see him shadow Marvin Jones, you know, if Kenny Galladay can't go. Uh, oh, so that's going to be over. Yeah, so that's <clears throat> that's going to be a tough spot. I mean, Jair Alexander, he is kind of inconsistent, but if he's shadowing Marvin Jones, 
I think Marvin Jones is talented enough to to overcome that shadow and 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 score maybe one or two times um being the the primary receiver here but one guy that I really like uh not really Danny Amendola I mean he was this is something that he's done last year as well you know he's been that slot receiver safety blanket for uh for Matthew Stafford but I think uh you know they really like this uh Quint- Quintes Cephas uh he's a rookie he saw 10 targets or something like that and he was you in just on 79 79- say his name on the show I kind of <laughs> did yeah Kind of did. There's just some guys that you just want to say their name, right? Like yeah, Dare no, Agumbawale. You know, that's yeah, just fun to say. Yeah. Quintez Dare, Cephas. Uh, not going to be talking about him, Awale. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. um, but no, he he was in on Cephas 79% of snaps. see 10 targets again. <laughs> uh, 79% of snaps. That's 62 offensive snaps. That was the second most amongst receivers here. Danny Amendola had 43 snaps. So, um I, I like Quintez if if Kenny's out. I want to see what this kid's made of. I, I think uh, I'd be interested in not scooping him off of waivers, but maybe a DFS play here. I wouldn't play him in, in redraft this week. I think Marvin Jones is the only guy I'm comfortable playing outside of TJ Hawkinson. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Quintez develops here. With how well the Green Bay defense did kind of play in situational parts, uh, Thielen did torch them for two touchdowns, and uh, including a real beauty that Kirk Cousins hit him on deep. So. Yeah, uh, there is something to be had here in that secondary, if uh, especially in comeback mode, because we see the Packers will definitely let up points late. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson looked good. Five all, caught all five targets, fifty-six yards and a touchdown, a three-point-three-two fantasy points per touch. He had eleven-point-two yards per target. Target, and I think Hawkinson was being eased into this game to to some extent, based off off of his ankles. So you like what you saw out of Hawkinson, locked and loaded. I want to move to an. AFC East battle where the Miami Dolphins will play host to the Buffalo Bills who just saw Josh Allen go ballistic. Guys, is there anything here? And I'll ask you this, uh, Johnny, is there anything or I know on the, I know you want to talk about a certain guy on that Miami offense in Preston Williams. So let's just start with the wide receiving core and give us your take because it looks like Devontae Parker may not be able to make it for this. Yeah, uh, they're they're saying that uh, he they're gonna try to get him to go. Uh, they're hoping that he'll be able to give it a go. But again, it is the same hamstring injury that has kind of riddled him throughout training camp, so that's not good. Um, but the guy that I want to talk about is Preston Williams. For it's Preston Williams. It's Preston Williams. <laughs> that's good. I like it. Um, listen, we you you. Who, to the much of the uh, the astonishment last week, uh, Travis and I, uh, we asked, we were surprised when Devontae Parker, uh, I believe he had like 47 uh, receiving yards or something like that uh, before he went out. And we were kind of surprised because we knew that, uh, you know, he had a tough, tough matchup uh, against Gilmore of New England. Well, I wanted to go back and rewatch this game because I was like, okay, what's going on? Uh, you know, how how did Parker look? All of this. Well, to my astonishment, uh, he was he was not Gilmore was not shadowing Parker. In fact, Gilmore was only on Parker for like two to four snaps. All of the rest of the time, Bill Belichick put him on Preston Williams. So then it, I was like, okay, maybe I need to, what does Bill Belichick know that I don't really know about Preston Williams, right? So I started watching him a little bit more, and they really like this. Ryan Fitzmagic targeted him early and often, 
even though he was he was uh you know being guarded by the best arguably the best corner in football the maybe the second best uh if you ask Randy yeah I I think he is um but the thing yeah. was is most people didn't didn't like say anything about Preston Williams because he didn't have a mega day. He only had like four receptions for like 42 yards, but it could have been a lot bigger because he had two pass and a DPIs called uh, on. He got Gilmore on two of them, which one was a 20 yarder, which he almost still caught one handed. And then the other one was like a, a 25 yarder or 30 yarder down the seam and which moved the change game a first down. So his day could have been a lot bigger with uh, Devonte Parker injured and riddled. I definitely think that Preston Williams guy, you can go get off your waivers right now uh, and just put him on your bench. He's got a very bad schedule. You're not going to want to start him this week. Um, and even if you want to just hold off on him this week, cause I don't think he'll do much this week. Let's see that one more time, uh, at least the targets and that connection. But I think he's going to be uh, this year's Devonte Parker for my, it will be Preston Williams. I don't think it will be, Devontae Parker that you're going to want as the wide receiver. I mean, Devontae Parker was taken in like the seventh round, maybe the eighth uh, in fantasy football drafts and a lot of redrafts. Are you holding on to Devontae Parker or are you hopeful that Devontae Parker makes it back? Yeah. Uh, what are, what are your thoughts season long? I'm, I'm definitely going to hold on to him uh, at least for a week and see if he can come back. If this gets, you know, prolonged or if, you know, he misses this week, comes back next week and you don't see it. Um, I wouldn't mind cutting after that, but uh, I think as of right now, the talent is still there. He was still getting targets when he's in. It wasn't like, uh, you know, they, they were only targeting one wide receiver. They were, they were spreading the ball around there. So I think that it, it, Ryan Fitzmagic could be a decent play for two wide receivers. Summy, in a lot of zero RB builds this year, Jordan Howard and Matt Breda were favorites for those zero RB builds, right? You were going to go early with other positions and then maybe snag one of the cheapest backfields to own. I think we saw why it's one of the cheapest backfields to own on Sunday. And Matt Breda, at this point, playing behind Miles Ma- Gaskin, what is your take on the Miami backfield? Um, do you feel confident in any way, especially in this matchup? Um, so in this matchup, no, not at all. No interest. Um, you know, the bills are susceptible to the run, uh, just like they were last year. Uh, let me actually look this up. Uh, their rushing defense from last week actually ranked fifth worst. So that's something to to kind of keep your eye on. But honestly, miles Gaskin, the only reason I do have interest in him is because of his pass catching chops. And the fact that right. Ryan Fitzpatrick, we do know likes to check down to his running backs. So I do think in PPR formats, you're going to find some value in, in Miles Gaskin, especially with Jordan Howard banged up with his hamstring. Um, Every time I hear Miles Gaskin's name, I think of the Eminem skit where the guy's like saying, uh, it's Chris Delia saying like, napkin, uh, lacking the stamina. And he's just like <laughs> making fun of uh, Eminem rapping. I just, I don't know why. Anyways. But it's encouraging to see, though, Miles Gaskin. If you look, he, he played 39 offensive snaps last week, and that's more than Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, and Patrick Laird combined. They had 9, 14, and 4, respectively. Wow. So, I mean, Miles Gaskin, is it's seeming like he's going to be the guy here in this backfield that they want to go with. Uh, they got rid of Kalen Blage. I think if you're in a deeper league, pick him up and see see what happens. Kind of crazy. This team traded for two or picked up Jordan Howard in free agency, traded for Matt Breda, and they're like, screw it. We've got Miles Gaskin. He's Miles Gaskin. Let's go with him. Uh, Mike Gusecki ran 32 out of 45 snaps in the slot. 
Uh, I know he didn't have a big day, but we're really excited about what he can be, especially if Devontae Parker is out of this offense. Miles, uh, Mike Gusecki and Preston Williams are probably going to be the main way that this offense moves the ball and moves change. So fun. Mike Kosicki, if you can afford it, which I think you can, we're only after week the, one. The, the only Buffalo's, other, the one thing I do want to add with that Mike Jacecki is he also did that you won't box score. He also two red zone targets and bring down. One was a PI as well. Um, so he is getting targeted in the red zone. So that's another reason. Awesome. On the other side of the ball, we've got Buffalo here. And last week we saw Josh Allen career high in passing attempts, passing yards, rushing it. Tummy, Josh Allen looking like the stud and looking at another smash spot here. I know he's a little frustrating to watch at times, uh, but you're firing up Josh Allen with supreme confidence again this week, right, Tummy? Absolutely. I think uh, the the Patriots kind of laid out the the game plan on how to take out this uh, this Miami defense uh, using the quarterback uh, with wheels with Cam Newton like they did last week. So uh, I really like Josh Allen. I mean, he's last week he showed you know he was able to sustain pretty long drives. He had almost he he averaged almost eight plays a drive against the Jets. Um, the the Bills ranked third in average yards per drive with forty two yards per drive. Uh, they ranked fifth in drive success rate at 81.6% behind only uh, the Raiders, New England, KC, and Green Bay. And, uh, you know, I think I think Josh Allen, is he's going to be a smash play every week. He he has such a floor um, until the schedule starts getting a little bit tougher for them. Um, but I think for the for the time being, he, he's a pretty safe quarterback they can roll with. What's interesting uh, is uh, it will be the re-entry if because of what they experienced last week with Cam Newton. Um, you notice that in the second half of the game, Miami actually started to load the box, and they were like, okay, you're going to beat, beat us with your arm. You're going to beat us with the one-on-ones outside. And it will be interesting to see if they actually do that again this week and be like, okay, Josh Allen, we trust uh, that we can stop because they, they did. They started to slow down Cam in that second half. So it'll be interesting. And Miami they, has two good corners. I guess yeah. Zayvon Howard is obviously good, and I think Miami could at least get, you know, could at least trouble the outside wide receivers for Buffalo. So this definitely could be a game that funnels through those running backs. Johnny, how do you see this running back situation? Because like last week, Moss got all the money touches, but it was Singletary who was more effective. Yeah, uh, you know, Singletary looked really, really good. But like we all had been saying and presuming all offseason. Dak Moss got the you know the money the money work and that's the the red zone the uh the touchdown air you know uh, and goal line work. Um, I'm rolling out both of these guys because I think both of them uh could have flex appeal this week. It would be kind of I I throw it back at you guys. Would you do uh Zach Moss uh or Devin Singletary or Ronald Jones? I think they're kind of all in this like, week. Yeah, I think they're all kind of in that same kind of boat. I think like that flex off, yeah. um, but they do have taking, like a touchdown upside. I'm probably taking um, I, stuff. I wouldn't probably put them in the same boat at all, honestly. Wouldn't. Not this week, at least. No, not at all. I think Ronald Jones is eons above. Yeah, uh, that's Singletary and Moss. I'm taking. I'm taking. Uh, Ronald Jones there, and then I think between these two, like I, I want to believe that Singletary is obviously. Yeah. more effective but this is the smash spot for moss like if you didn't think you could play him last week against the jets you definitely think you could play him this week because of the money 
uh, matchup uh, against the Miami defense, but then also because he's getting the red zone work and getting the pass catching. I do think to both of these guys is, uh, you know, chagrin. Uh, Josh Allen is still running in the red zone. You yeah, know, they talked yeah. about maybe limiting, and he did it again last week. So um, just something that I would be, you know, concerned about. Like, I, I believe the upside there. Yeah, I, yeah. I believe, believe the upside is definitely kept. And the wide receiver, wide receiving core, Johnny, Stephon Diggs and John Brown. Uh, obviously, John Brown went out there and got the touchdown, looked better. Uh, are you thinking that better days are ahead? for Stephon Diggs, or are you kind of okay with uh, rolling out Diggs in this matchup? Uh, there's going to definitely be better days ahead. For Also, you look at the fact that John Brown missed today's practice with a, an apparent foot injury, but it was weird because he didn't miss any time on Sunday with any injury. So it could have been, been more of like a veteran day off, but we'll have to monitor that closer to uh, get closer Sunday. Here's what I'll say. I had always said all along, people called me crazy, but I think John Brown and Stefan Diggs are pretty similar wide receivers. I think they're both equally talented. Um, you know, whether or not you think Diggs is better than, than John Brown, um, you know, that's who each is their own, I guess. Um, but on paper, John Brown has a, has a chemistry and a connection with Josh Allen. And that was where we thought, uh, and what was going to happen with Stefan Diggs. However, in this matchup, um, got Stefan Diggs going Xavius White. That is, or sorry, uh, Xavion Howard, um, which is a little bit of a scary situation. But Diggs, like I said, I think that Miami's game plan is going to be load the box. And Josh Allen, you're not going to be able to run. Go ahead and pass. If you can pass against us and beat us, then good job. Good game. We'll shake your hand. Say good game. I think that's what's going to have to happen. So I think Stephon Diggs is an okay play here. Not confident, but he's a flex play. And moving on to the next game, this is actually one of my favorites as far as fantasy is concerned. It's got sneaky high over under. Indianapolis is hosting the Minnesota Vikings in a dome. It's got a 48.5 point over under with Indy only favored by three. So you like the shootout potential that this could get into, um, and you like the way that Indy showed up. Uh, last week, you know, like the only reason they gave the ball to the Jaguars was on two interceptions from Phillip Rivers. Otherwise, they didn't punt. This team was hyper efficient. Uh, they looked really good. Rivers looked really good. And maybe we've been kind of underrating, underrating Phillip's uh, ability to maybe be a streamable option if he doesn't throw two interceptions every week. That is kind of Rivers. MO, <laughs> but uh, Rivers went 36 of 46 for 360 yards and a touchdown, two picks. Marlon Mack. Tears the Achilles, and therefore Jonathan Taylor's season is officially here. It took him in the third round. Like, look, you're never rooting for injury, but boy, oh boy, are you stoked to have Jonathan Taylor uh, at this point in the season. Nine carries for 22 yards. Did not look that great on the ground as a pure rusher, but also didn't get a lot of bell cow work to get going into the game and kind of wear down the defense. But here's where it got great, because all offseason we heard well, what about Jonathan Taylor's passing game work? Six for six guys for 67 yards. He recorded a top speed of 20.99 in week one. That was the fourth fastest land speed uh, that we had recorded there. Summy, how stoked. I mean, you were a guy who sold me and Johnny late in the offseason on Jonathan Taylor and this upside. And you've just got to be, once again, we don't root for injury. 
but licking your chops here at what's what's capable uh, with Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I got the uh, Orville Redenbacher in my microwave. I'm popping my popcorn. I'm getting ready to watch the show and uh, and see yeah. what he does here. I'm uh, I'm super excited for his prospect. Uh, while I do think Naheem Hines is going to limit his passing game involvement, uh, Jonathan Taylor, I mean, he's a surefire locked in. Early down back, he's going to catch passes from Phillip Rivers because Rivers just likes to dump it off. Uh, I mean, 38% market share to running backs. That's insane. Um, so Jonathan Taylor, like you like you said, Travi, if you do have him, um, be prepared to win your league. I mean, if you got him in the third round and you stacked him with like a Christian McCaffrey or something like that, you're going to have two top 12 RBs for the rest of the way. And uh, uh, just get ready for the ride. Love it. Naheem Hines was uh, one of our top waiver wire ads this week. Eight for eight. Uh, eight targets out of the backfield. 45 yards in the touchdown. Rushed the ball seven times. Uh, for 28 yards and a touchdown. Where do Naheem you Hines rank was Naheem Hines? Re- rest this RB top 16, top 15, top 10. Two. I'd say, yeah, I was going to say like 23, 24, somewhere around there. I think that's where our, I, I think this is probably his best game. Probably the top he's going to do. Two touchdowns are going to be hard for him to do every single week. But make no mistake, like he, Slides right into both Frank Reich and Philip Rivers' Austin Eckler-style role, and that's what they're going to try and do here. And like Sammy said, like you know, maybe he eats into Jonathan Taylor's passing game work, but like, look, Philip Rivers will throw to the running backs more than he will throw to the wide receivers every single game. Like that's going to happen. Johnny, um, so back. You, yeah, I mean, I was just—I'm sorry, Travi, I don't mean to interrupt, but like, if you no, think back good. to a couple years back when Frank Reich was with Philly. I mean, when has Corey Clement been fantasy relevant since Frank Reich left? You know, like you see these pass catchers that become relevant because Frank Reich's offense funnels targets to the running back. And on top of that, you have Philip Rivers coming in who has a higher propensity to throw these running backs. Um, so you can take a guy that's not as talented as an Austin Eckler and still turn him into a valuable uh, PPR asset. So well, my I like that. I'm, I'm wondering if, uh, because I mean, Austin Eckler wasn't really anything to splash home about before Phillip Rivers got his hands on him. So my question is, is like, I understand that we're talking about Jonathan Taylor as like a league winner. Uh, but I think that there could be an opportunity where it's actually Naheem Hines because Jonathan Taylor, you still drafted with pretty high draft capital. Whereas I think like if we're talking like realistically, Naheem Hines, I, th- I in my personal opinion, I think Naheem Hines could have like top 15, uh, top 14 uh, return just because of what you guys are talking about. We're talking about the best offensive line in football. We're talking about a, a quarterback who absolutely or just even before we get to that step like you said we have a quarterback or a, a head coach that funnels to the running back and then we got a quarterback who on top of all that funnels to the running back even more and so it's like i do agree with you know both of you in saying that i think that naheem hines best game was probably this sunday or this past sunday but there's also a very big reality where this is very very consistent and if he's on the field, I will say the only way that he becomes the, the the league winner over JT in this backfield is if the red zone usage here, which was like sixty seven percent to Naheem Hines, if that stays that way, then yes. But I I have the utmost feeling that like I mean, yeah, Naheem Hines got eight targets for forty five yards, but the better receiving back on Sunday was Jonathan Taylor. Right, like he was better in the receiving you, game. I don't know like, how so you I don't did, put him in on the red zone at all, but then you still have Naheem I, I, I Hines think it's on there. Game, I think it's game one, right? It's game one, and especially for that first drive, which is Naheem Hines was the first touchdown of week one, right? So I think it's that first drive. He he definitely still kept him in there. 
but they just wanted to make sure the guy they trusted in the red zone, especially for Philip Rivers throwing, was in there so they could set the tone for that game. I'm telling you, as the as they now they're forced to use Jonathan Taylor more, and as they do, they're going to see we like we they can't keep him off the field just because of the athlete that he is. Um, what's exciting about this offense though is all these guys have sub four four forties. Uh, even the wide receiving core, we're going to talk about T.Y. Ty, Hilton, Harris Campbell. Uh, these two both did their part, both led the team in targets uh, with nine. So, Summy, talk to me about this wide receiving core. Obviously, T.Y. Hilton should be a buy-low candidate with nine targets and the way that this offense is working. Yeah, uh, I love T.Y. Hilton this week especially. Um, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week, but Minnesota's secondary is going to be definitely exploitable, uh, at least until Mike Zimmer does something to kind of fix it up. You know, they, they have such inexperienced corners there. Uh, they might have that elite safety duo, but, you know, T.Y. Hilton can get behind them. And I think Philip Rivers can hit him deep as well. But I, I really want to talk about Paris Campbell here because he really looked like he was the one. He was the guy that, you know, Rivers was going to. Um, he was like the Keenan Allen this offense. And I think in PPR formats, Paris Campbell is also, he's going to be a very reliable flex wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside on a weekly basis. And I'm okay starting him as early as this week in in my starting lineup. I think what he has that Keenan Allen doesn't have is that sub four, four speed, that ability to just kind of break a play open. So that'll be interesting to see because look, Philip Rivers is going to have no issue like throwing these short crossing routes. But what happens when you get Paris Campbell in space? Can he take it a couple to the house and get that big play going? That's going to be interesting. Jack Doyle is the tight end here, and we talked about on the offseason how Doyle could be a sneaky play. Johnny, anything interesting uh, that you saw out of Jack Doyle this week? Are you interested in Jack Doyle, or is it kind of like a meh play at the tight end? The meh play at the tight end position. That would actually be, I would rather go Hayden Hurst over Jack Doyle. That's one, one position I'd probably go Hayden Hurst over. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's, this is becoming the Hayden Hurst. That's, that's about it. That's hey, about hey, it. Hey. <laughs> All right. So on the Minnesota side, Johnny Kirk Cousins. Uh, maybe I should actually give this to Stummy. You're the Kirk Cousins truther here. Talk to me about Kirk Cousins. No. Uh, yeah. Do you think Do you think Kirk Cousins is is going to be streamable at all this year? And this is a spot maybe to do it. Hundred percent. He's going to be more than streamable. I think he'll be rosterable as well. Um, you know, the one thing I'm concerned about is that Indianapolis, they they have a they have a pretty good legit defensive line, right? They had uh they they actually blitzed the fewest out of all teams in week one. They only blitzed three times, but they actually had the third highest. Maybe pressure they should rate. have blitzed more against Minshew, man. Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, they still were able to get pressure, right? Thirty two the third of the time pretty much. And uh, you know, you look at DeForest Buckner, you look at Justin Houston. I mean, do you know do you Nick Autry? We we know the we know these guys that have been here uh, are are staples of this defensive line. But DeForest Buckner, that addition was definitely helpful for them in the offseason. Um, Minnesota did rank uh, eighth worst in Week One in terms of pass protection, so I am concerned just a little bit about Cousins this week in terms of pass protection and if he's going to get blitzed like three or four times and and you know give up the ball or, or um, you know make an error. But I, I do like Adam Thielen again this week. You know, these corners aren't that threatening. We saw what Thielen did last week against Jaira Alexander. I think Thielen could have a really good game again. Um, and, you know, again, fire up your, your running backs as well. Dalvin Cook, you're, you're going to play him no matter what. All right. Let's, uh, I mean, I, I'm just going to say this one quick thing about the tight ends. I, I don't think there's anything here with both of them playing about 50% of the snaps, 62 to 60% of the snaps. 
uh, for each of them. And then Irv Smith uh, just not really doing it for us. So move along from those tight ends uh, if you can. Each other. Yeah, capping everything there. We'll right. move on to Johnny's Arizona Cardinals, who will be hosting the Washington football team, the undefeated Washington football team. We'll take on the undefeated Arizona Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals <laughs> in Arizona. And who would have thought this game was going to be a battle of undefeateds? But, Johnny, we've got a 46 over under, six and a half point spread with Arizona favored. And so much for DeAndre Hopkins needing to get acquainted to this offense that a career high in catches. So, Johnny, talk to me. Take us through this Arizona offense and how you're feeling. You're firing up. Uh, you're definitely firing up Kyler Murray. You're firing up Kenyon Drake. Uh, I don't think I would start Chase Edmonds. I know he had the touchdown last week, um, but Kenyon Drake still played on 70% of the offense. Am I coming through differently? No. Um. So you're definitely uh, Kenyon Drake. He's a a low end RB one for me this week again. Even though a Washington does have a very good defensive front, I'm still firing up. As far as DeAndre Hopkins, you're firing him up. He looks great. He's going to be the wide receiver one there. There's a lot of questions as to Larry Fitzgerald or Christian Kirk. Are you willing to fire them up? Listen, Christian Kirk got five uh, targets in one. He uh, one of them he was pretty much relegated. To, it was against Richard Sherman and the 49ers yeah. defense. That's a very tough defense. Uh, he gets Washington's corners this, this week, and I do expect Christian Kirk to actually be better than he, he was last week uh, for sure. I, I don't know uh, if I would drop Christian Kirk. I know that that's been a, a waiver wire ask all week should I drop Christian Kirk I am still holding Christian Kirk because I think I think there's still value you have to realize what was going on last week for Arizona I think that um I think that Christian Kirk was just bottled up by so I think well, and then DeAndre out. Hopkins targets weren't necessarily down the field targets a lot of them were at the line of scrimmage a lot of them were you know intermediate routes so Christian Kirk still remains the deep threat uh, for this offense. And so that's something, especially five targets, you want to stay invested in. But yeah, I agree. Hold on, Christian Kirk. Um, dummy, on the other side of the ball, we've got the Washington football uh, team. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, not do anything you know crazy to overwhelm you, but also uh, just kind of be pedestrian uh, and not make any mistakes. Now yeah. he's got Chandler Jones coming after him. This a situation where, you know, the football team can kind of do what they did against Philly to actually see them getting kind of stomped like they maybe they should have against last week. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, this offense is, is, is interesting because just because they have such a strong defense, uh, defensive line that's going to put pressure on Kyler Murray, uh, potentially get the ball back in, in advantageous field position. So um, Dwayne Haskins, it's interesting. You know, he doesn't he, he hasn't attempted deep passes. He hasn't attempted a single deep pass. Uh, or completed a single deep pass more than 20 yards. And I think that's why we saw Terry McLaurin take a hit last week. Um, he's being safe with the ball. Uh, I, I'd be curious to see, you know, Arizona had a pretty stingy secondary in week one. I'd be curious to see if Terry McLaurin can get it going here. Uh, don't really like any other pass catching options outside of that. But uh, I am intrigued by Antonio Gibson and seeing how his role kind of grows in this offense. Do you guys foresee Peyton Barber being the 
you know, the early down grinder and then Antonio Gibson coming in and on third downs, or do you guys see Antonio Gibson kind of splitting da- splitting early down work with Peyton Barber as well? Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, I'll just but Travis, go, go for it, Johnny. <laughs> well, I just think I think they'll continue with doing it that way. I think Peyton Barber will continue to get these, you know, uh, you know, fifteen to seventeen carries. They've even come out and said. You know, I don't mind giving him 20, 25 touches if it'll win us the game. That's my concern. I think that I'm really intrigued. Yeah, they've, by they've said that about they've said that about multiple backs. They said it about yeah. Barber. They said it about um, you know, uh, AP Bryce Love when he was there too. So I, I I agree with that. But then you're you're saying with the caveat when we're winning games, and they're not. In my opinion, they won't win this game. And when they continue to lose games with giving the ball to Peyton Barber. They're going to realize that the more effective guy with the ball in his hands is Antonio Gibson. So that's where I see like Antonio Gibson still a hold. And I think, yeah, it may take a couple weeks, but you'll be able to buy low, I think, on Gibson from a lot of people that will give up on him. But to right. think that Peyton Barber 17 for 29 yards just because he fell in for two touchdowns is something that you want on your roster. Uh, it, you know, it's 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 to me that Yeah. What, what Scott Turner did last year with Carolina he knows that he's got to eventually give Antonio Gibson. The- yeah, and if you remember, real- if you remember Adrian Peterson when he got traded, he was like, he was saying, he was like, you know, I know what they want to do. They want to give Gibson everything. They want to. Yeah, it's it's not a secret. Yeah. Like they they want Gibson to be the guy. I think they're just similar to the Jonathan Taylor thing, where they're trying to get the other guys that are veterans around, like to get more work because they trust him in game script. That's what's happening here. But as we see, this team need to get the ball in playmakers' hands. That will happen more, similar like Terry McLaurin last year. Like you just can't help but feed a guy like that in this offense. So do you think Thomas, he might be the best buy low candidate right now? I mean, would you guys want to go out and trade for Gibson right now? I would. I would go and buy Gibson. I think you could actually probably even buy him after. The, I don't know that he gets a ton of work even in this game too. I, I would think he does because I think Arizona is the team that could get out ahead and they go to Gibson in the passing game. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I would I would try to buy low on Antonio Gibson because I think by the end of the year Gibson's going to a lot of work offense, um, you know, just because this this it's just too reminiscent for what they tried to do in Carolina with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner. And I just think it makes too much sense to put it in hands where Terry McLaurin's your DJ Moore, Antonio Gibson's your you know CMC light. Uh, but right. Logan Thomas Johnny is the interesting one, probably the biggest uh, tight end waiver uh, as far as uh, this week, and then those those team tie, team high targets eight. Like he sets up to kind of be this year's Darren Waller, don't you think, Johnny? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I that's a very interesting comp. I I like. I don't think that this weekend uh he'll be very effective. So I wouldn't get him in lineup because Buddha will be guarding him. And Buddha's Buddha Baker has been uh very good at at guarding the safeties this year. Uh, and then they also have Simmons. So uh, I wouldn't start him this week. I'm really cautious of this whole Washington team this week. But moving forward, I do think Logan Thomas is ad for. All right, we're moving on to the next game, which is the Houston Texans after 10 days hosting uh, the Baltimore Ravens, who just put a shellacking on the Cleveland Browns. Any uh, the big takeaways here, I guess, you know, I think when we did the show rundown here and we were talking about the notes, Summy said, what is the identity for this Houston Texans team? Um, and I think the answer to that question is David Johnson. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just from at least from week one, we knew that. Like 11 uh, for 77 rushing yards, three for four, 34, 32 receiving yards. 
uh, score the touchdown. Looks to be the bell cow uh, that you would trade away DeAndre Hopkins for, or at least if you were Bill O'Brien, you would that. Um, so I think that's where we're sitting now. Summy, are there better days ahead for Deshaun Watson? Or are you concerned uh, as another guy like Dak where you invested early? Is it time to be a little um, I was slightly lower on this Houston offense uh, coming into this year, uh, just because I do feel like, you know, with losing DeAndre Hopkins, it's never a good thing for a quarterback. I know Deshaun Watson, he's a transcendental talent, but, you know, losing a, a future Hall of Famer like DeAndre Hopkins can't help, uh, especially when you're bringing in two new guys in Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb, who still have yet to develop chemistry with you, uh, especially with one of those guys being banged up right now. You know, Will Fuller, we saw his dot. Uh, go down you know he's getting targeted more often he's not going to have those explosive plays every single week but he definitely has a safer floor here uh, I but I don't think this Houston offense can output the the production that they had last year I think they're going to be a slightly worse team and um, leave that up to Bill O'Brien to kind of just you know slowly make his team worse over time and uh, that's exactly what we're seeing here Oh, a little bit concerned for Deshaun Watson but fire up Will Fuller fire, fire up David Johnson I have uh, a couple couple shares of Brandon Cooks in a few leagues, and my whole idea has just kind of been wait and see on Brandon Cooks till he can establish a, a enough of the snap share and enough rapport with yep. Deshaun Watson. Johnny, uh, anything of interest outside of David Johnson and Will Fuller uh, in that wide receiving core? Uh, not to me. I I would. Those are the only two. I think that it, this week, even this week, I'm a little iffy on. I think that this is actually a, a really bad game for Deshaun Watson. If I could possibly, if I could, if I had another option, I would probably bench Deshaun Watson uh, against Baltimore. It sounds crazy, but Deshaun Watson uh, his, historically might be tough to do so. But yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think it's we're seeing something in Baltimore where it's just kind of where it left off, right? Like they just are rolling, and it's possible to defend well just like Lamar and, Jackson and historically Deshaun Jackson has never has never played Baltimore very well he's always struggled and had like less than 10 fantasy all right well we're moving on to the Baltimore side of things uh it's pretty much you know you know what to do here auto start Lamar Jackson you auto start probably Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews I think the question comes some in this running game what are we going to do with Mark Ingram J.K. Dobbins is J.K. Dobbins truly the red zone guy that they used him as, or is Mark Ingram being phased out this early? Oh, I think uh, I think we'll see a different game plan each week, right? Depending on the game script. I think uh, last week it was uh, you put it nicely. It was a shellacking over the Cleveland Browns, so I think they were like, "Hey, listen, let's give our rookie a little bit of run here." But I think you know some weeks we'll see Mark Ingram a little bit more involved. Nobody in this backfield except for Patrick Ricard actually caught a pass or was targeted even last week. So I think. That might change a little bit, uh, where you might see one or two targets go both of these guys' way. Gus Edwards, we know, is going to be involved no matter what. So I think the ceiling is definitely capped on J.K. Dobbins this year. Sure, he did see the goal line work um, you know, after the game was well in control, but I think if it's a closer game, I think Mark Ingram is going to be the, still the guy that they rely on. Mark uh, Andrews is really, really good at football. Just to oh, throw that out. Really good. I do want to say that um, I think that... In Baltimore continues to run the ball. If you look at where Houston uh, struggles, that's why Kansas City ran the ball so much. Was oh, because, CEH, yeah, 25 uh, times. Yeah, so I do think that um, there will be a lot of running in this game. 
Uh, I do think he, my issue with Mark Ingram is not usage at all. It had to do with the fact he looked bad. He looked slow. He looked old. He looked like uh, he wasn't what we what we thought last year. And if that continues, you know, we had we had kind of shrugged off the age factor for Mark Ingram, but it could actually be a thing. And if it continues to look like that, I don't uh, see I don't see it being very long before they turn this over to J.K. Dobbins uh, more fully than they are. I agree. Right I agree. I think they I'm also give, willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, it's week yeah. one. I know you're a vet, but like, you know, let's see if it continues. Um, the one thing I just want to mention about the pass catchers, I, I absolutely love the matchup for Marquise Brown this week. Uh, not only are they, are is Houston exploitable with the run game, but they're secondary. I mean, ranked second, second worst pass rush, which is going to give Lamar plenty of time. Um, not that he needs it. You know, this offensive line is amazing, but third worst secondary from week one as well. So fire up Marquise Brown. He's, he's in a smash spot this week. For a guy who, uh, you know, Lamar to, to, to the credit of some of the, his, his skeptics, uh, didn't look great at the beginning of that game throwing the ball, but man, did he sharpen that up by the end of the oh, game? Yeah. He looked like he had touch on that deep ball, touch on the throws. Just uh, dropping I mean, in I know, the bread basket. Yeah, I know Andrews bailed him out on that first touchdown, but after that, he looked really good. Um, so I, I like what we're seeing out of Lamar. Moving on, turning the page to the next game, we've got the Los Angeles Chargers hosting the Super Bowl champion, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. 48 and a half point over under. Every time you get the Chiefs on a docket, they're going to push the over under up but it's because they're favored by eight and a half on the road in LA in the Chargers home opener for SoFi Stadium. Uh, what a coliseum for Patrick Mahomes to be lighting it up. But we've got to start with the Chargers side. I want to move away from Tyrod Taylor. I know we were trying to make him a streamable option. I don't see it here. I didn't see it last week in a nice spot. I just don't trust it. Let's talk about this backfield, though. Stummy Eckler, are you concerned here? He saw the work as the runner. He did not see anything as the pass catcher, and that's got to have those who took him in the second round a little bit concerned here. Yeah, he got the Joe Mixon treatment, you know? He got yeah. 19 carries and, like, barely any targets. He saw one target last week, which is pretty concerning. And I think what's even more concerning here, guys, is that, you know, he – he only six of his snaps out of his 44 snaps, he was lined up wide or in the slot. And that's concerning because it's like, hey, this guy is a prototypical scat back. Sure, he's effective between the tackles, but he's way more efficient as a receiver. And I think they're not utilizing him to that strength. I mean, Joshua Kelly, we see him. He he had a he had a coming out party last week. And I think as his role grows as the early down grinder, I think we'll see Eckler moved down to the slot, moved out wide more and used in that, in that fashion. But is Tyrod going to be throwing to him? That's the question, right? Because we saw Tyrod just chucking it downfield to Mike Williams, not even targeting uh, Keenan Allen and the short game. It goes to Hunter Henry. We know how much Ty God loves uh, his tight ends uh, going back to his days in Buffalo. So it's going to be interesting. I am kind of concerned. And right now I've kind of downgraded Austin Eckler to like a mid RB two until I can see his his passing game involvement. But I love Joshua Kelly, man. I think he could be great. Joshua Kelly running really hard. Johnny got the, the goal line work. He'd be the Melvin Gordon-esque role in this offense. Uh, but I think this is an offense that's actually going to run more with the backs than it does pass to them. So I liked Kelly as a pickup on their waiver. I think he can really out uh, outdo his ADP by a mile here. Let's talk about that wide receiving core, Johnny, because Mike Williams did seem to be the number one here running ahead of Keenan Allen as far as love from Tyrod Taylor. 
Yeah, if you look at what Keenan Allen did, even though Keenan Allen played 95% of the snaps, uh, he was out-targeted by Mike, uh, Mike Williams, uh, 9 versus 8. Mike, Will- Mike Williams only played in 78% of the snaps, so you're like, what the heck? You know, like this is not what we expected. We drafted Keenan Allen higher, but we talked about it many times on this show this summer. We said when we looked at the wide receiver core for the L.A. Chargers, we said Mike Williams fits the bill of what Tyrod more so likes to do than a guy like Keenan Allen. So I am definitely hitting the panic button on Keenan Allen. Um, if I if I could bench Keenan Allen this week, I would. Um, but I, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to because where you were taking Keenan Allen was oftentimes in the fourth or fifth round where you're grabbing your first wide receiver uh, or maybe your second. So uh, if you can, um, I would go a different way than Keenan Allen this you week. Need a Keenan Allen, you need a Keenan Allen smash game and then sell Keenan Allen. That yeah. That is the ideal yeah. situation for Keenan Allen because – and you're lucky – uh, because Keenan Allen actually consistently does destroy Kansas City, uh, but this is not Philip Rivers throwing him the ball, so we've got to see what happens there. Sammy, it's Hunter Henry really in this offense, and Mike Williams for me uh, that we're going to invest in going forward. And Mike Williams has the bigger upside, but Hunter Henry is the nice floor play in this offense. Yeah, I think he has a you know sneaky top five tight end upside in this offense. I think he'll end up being by the end of the year the best fantasy value or the best fantasy asset from this offense. Um, I, I I just look at Tyrod and, and what he's done with his uh with his tight ends and Charles Clay, I mean if you guys remember in Buffalo, he was the most consistent tight end uh, that you can pick up off of waivers and, and he got it done. So Hunter Henry I feel like is um more than twice as talented as Charles Clay is and if he stays healthy I think he, he can uh, he can have some smashed games. Friend of the show, Hunter Henry. Friend, Friend of the, of the show. show. All right, so moving on to the Kansas City Chiefs who will be visiting Patrick Mahomes. He's in your lineup. DH did everything to quell our concerns, running 25 times, forcing a ton of missed tackles, looking great, slicing through defenses. You're locking them in. There's no question there. We would like to see him get a little bit better in the short yardage situations and at the goal line. Maybe he'll get that opportunity this weekend. Where it really is you know, uh, a conundrum here is outside of, of Travis Kelsey, outside of Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, uh, maybe Amiko Hardman. Who is that second option in the wide receiving room that is going to let fantasy owners and, and GMs that are playing them kind of cash in on a week-to-week basis? Sammy, I'll let you start with this, and then Johnny, I want to get your take as well. Yeah, I think since it's no longer week one, I think that answer is uh, Demarcus Robinson. If it was week one, my answer would be Sammy Watkins. But um, uh, I, I like Demarcus Robinson a lot, man. I think this week, uh, I think he does have a blow-up game this week. Uh, I think hey, he how started. Come, how come we think Devontae Parker and, and Corey Davis can do this, but we don't think that Sammy Watkins can kind of revive his career with Pat Mahomes? Because, I mean, listen, Sammy Watkins is. You fooled me once, right? Uh, shame on me, but you fooled me twice and never get fooled again. Can't get fooled again. Can't get fooled again. So, Sammy Watkins, listen, he, the talent's there. Um, I just don't trust him. I'm not going to be confident enough to start him. I mean, would you guys be confident enough if you guys have a Sammy Watkins? Would you guys be com- comfortable pivoting from like a Kenny Galladay to Sammy Watkins? You guys tell me. Uh, you might have to. It, it, like, you might have to in that situation. I don't know that I'm ultra confident, but I'm not very confident. Uh, you know, having 
and many of the guys off waivers too much after one week of data. And if you're going to have one guy, you might as well have the guy playing with Pat Mahomes, right? That's um, what we thought last year. That's what we thought last year I about Sammy. I know. I don't want to get fooled again after one week, but um, there's definitely here, you know, at least it, if somebody can put two weeks together, it's the guy catching balls from from him. But I do I do like Demarcus yep. Robinson. Dropped a touchdown. Uh, looked good. Ran two, a, touchdowns. A, two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. He's going to not um, be so seeing the, the field too much longer if he keeps doing that. Remember, I was in the group chat. I was, I was I saying – Marcus well, Robinson scored. Well, here's the it. thing. Here's a, what was wild was the thing was was I remember in my head Demarcus Robinson having this massive game, and I'm like, oh my gosh! I went on the waiver wire, went to like go pick him up, and I'm like, wait a second, he only ended up having 20 receiving yards after the end of the whole thing because he yeah. dropped so many of them, and so uh, like. Played less than half of the offensive snaps, you know. So if that continues, I mean, Sammy and Tyreek, they were eighty percent, eighty-six percent, respectively. Yeah, um, that's where it comes in, and that's. I guess I want to see yeah. it with Sammy, but unfortunately, it's probably going to be too late if you if you try to see it. So I I think ultimately, Sammy, it's just kind of like a very very interesting dart throw because it is like you said, you know, like I don't want to fall for it again. I know what the it's end story because- is, but it's. It's funny because we try to not make him happen, but Andy Reid continues to try and make Sammy Watkins happen. Like he continues to roll him out there, even though he's got you know, Ferraris behind him, even in Robinson and McCole Hardman. So right. something has got to give here where he's trusting Sammy Watkins. Uh, I mean, I think he's worth the stash, the wait and see, uh, because if he starts to string a couple weeks together, that could be one of those league winning wide receivers that we don't yeah. want to be wrong on. You know what I mean? Like, uh, as far as what happens there. So the upside's definitely there. I do think it's a wait and see. But, like, I mean, that was a nice point. If you got a Ken, or Sammy, that was a nice point. If you got a Kenny Galladay, maybe you're okay pivoting there. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. Now, moving on to one of my most, I, I know Sammy's geeked for this game. The oh, Sunday yeah. night football game, Seattle, after finally letting Russ Cook, will now be playing against the New England Patriots on Sunday night football. Um, Russell Wilson, after after basically holding the Seahawks ransom to give him a fat contract, basically said that he's holding him ransom again, that if they don't let him cook, he's he's basically looking for the door. He got to cook last week, Summy. Yeah. He, he basically said, listen, I want to play with more urgency earlier in the game. I don't want to be bailing you guys out. Um, you know, I can do that, but that's not what I like to do. I like to put away the game a little bit earlier. And can you believe... Um, well, who is it? Atlanta's D coordinator or, or someone. I think there was a quote. They said, yeah, we were focusing more on stopping the run and stopping Chris Carson. We weren't worried too much about Russ. We weren't thinking about that too much. Well, and- if you would have gone on all the analytics <laughs> for the way Pete Carroll works, that would have been a great game plan. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's exciting to see what Russ can do. I think if this continues, it's going to be a phenomenal year for both DK and Tyler Lockett. I'm heavily invested in both of those guys because I did have confidence that Russ was going to cook just a little bit more. But this is a, this is going to be an interesting spot here going to, up against the best secondary. Uh, even going into this year, last week they were the best secondary in New England. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do to DK Metcalf and what they can do to Tyler Lockett. Can they lock them down? Um, I think the last Did time you Tyler imagine- Lockett... You, will you imagine that Gilmore is going to be on Lockett or on Metcalf? I would, I would say Metcalf, that, right? I would say that they're not really going to, they're not going to shadow. Um, I don't think they, they could shadow here. 
I think they're gonna they're gonna rotate around, but uh, for the most part, it's tough, man. I mean, you have J.C. Jackson there who's developing. You have Stephon Gilmore, obviously. We know he's established, and Jonathan Jones is a phenomenal slot cornerback as well. So if Tyler Lockett moves into a slot, he'll, he'll see Jonathan Jones. You know, on the outside, uh, he's going to see J.C. Jackson or Stephon Gilmore. I think they're going to rotate these guys around. I don't think we're going to see a shadow here. But D.K. Metcalf, I mean, if his drops continue, that could be a problem for this offense. I mean, I just want to ask you one more thing about that that New England defense because you you are a homer. You you like the New follow that roster pretty well. They had a lot of opt-outs this year. Where is the way to attack this New England defense this year? Because we know they're not going to be as elite as they were last year. What's the way to get at them? I think uh, they lost Kyle Van Noy in the middle. And I think, you know, a lot of teams are thinking that they can attack them with tight ends uh, over the middle of the field. But I really like this kid, Josh Uche, who's, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a vet already. Like he, the way he plays, it's, you know, he throws his body around. He's just watching him play is a lot of fun. I think he's going to be there, uh, be a long uh, mainstay in that in that defense there. So they have a couple pieces there that you know New England always has these no name guys that show up out of nowhere, and you're like, who the hell is this guy? And he's he's playing out of his mind. Uh, look at Jonathan Joseph, you know, J.C. Jackson. Like these guys, like you guys don't know about them. Like nobody knows about them, but they still show up big. So I like this defense still to this, like even without Hightower, without Patrick Chung. Um, Spoken like a true Patriots fan. There's no <laughs> way to attack this defense because they're still you really can't. I, you I, can't. Figured, I figured that was what you were going to say. We're John, taking the Super Bowl John, again this year with Cam. It's funny you know that. Because I think we're – oh, actually, no, Johnny. Take me through the running backs because the guy who got more carries last week was Carlos Hyde. It wasn't Chris Carson. Do you Are you concerned with Chris Carson? Uh, I really am concerned with Chris Carson. In fact, if I have Chris Carson, I would probably try shopping him right now. Uh, and try to sell him high on those two touchdown days because it was really interesting. So he had six on six receptions for 45 yards and his two touchdowns, which coming in, it was the big knock was like, oh, well, Chris Carson isn't heavily involved in the passing game. Well, we kind of speculated and thought that this might happen because Carlos Hyde was the only other, you know, real significant running back on the roster. So we figured, you know, they would probably turn to Carson to catch a little bit more. But little did we know that that would be as a result uh, of doing so would be he would get less rushing attempts. And then you're talking about the fact that Russ should continue to cook, which would mean less rushing opportunities. The whole reason why we loved Chris Carson so much was because we're like, well, heck, this guy's getting 21 to 26 touches uh, or rushes per game. Uh, And so if you're not getting that, that significantly uh, decreases his upside. Did you see the quote from Pete Carroll earlier today? I did not. No. What did the no. Pete Carroll said? Um, you know, we gave Carlos Hyde and and Chris Carson the rock like twenty times, and we'd like to give them a lot more. So I think you got you'll see a lot more volume go their way as the season progresses. So I think you know Pete Carroll seeing Russ Cook and seeing what he did, he's still saying that hey, I'm still going to give the running game more involvement. And that's that to me is ludicrous. But I'd be I'd be interested to see how much of that is Pete because sometimes Pete just says things. Yeah, yeah, and I, I know that he said that he wants to run and they'll continue to run, and he's been true on that. Sometimes he just says things. I mean, I don't know how you could go away from what they just did to Atlanta. Like, that worked. And really, analytics will tell you, like, throwing a lot of the time is actually way more efficient than running, and especially when you have an efficient quarterback like Russell Wilson. I would be very interested to see if that's actually the case. And I also have concerns about Chris Carson's hip. Uh, and I think that Pete Carroll may have those same concerns, and that's why 
they have been splitting up the carries. So maybe you're not concerned with volume going forward, but you're concerned with the split of volume uh, because Carlos Hyde uh, is a guy that, you know, they didn't have much different in yards per carry this last game. So uh, maybe Carson's nursing the hit. Maybe they want to nurse something to keep an eye on in that backfield. Uh, but I think if you, you invested in Chris Carson, guys, you've got to keep rolling him out there, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. You. Second, third round pick, you have to. Yeah. All right. So we're talking about on the other side of the ball, the New England Patriots, Cam Newton looking like the MVP type Cam Newton we saw before. 75 rushing yards on 15 rushing attempts. Uh, just kind of torched Miami in the red zone, did what, he, did what he wanted to do with them. We know that uh, we were waiting for Cam to show us. He showed us firing him up. You got him late. You love the upside of, of getting him late. So keep, keep pounding it with him. That's how this team's going to want to win. Um, it seems to be like an upgraded version of the McDaniels playbook that he ran with Denver when he had Tim Tebow. It's going to be a lot of read option, a lot of run heavy stuff. Um, you like that. I want to talk about this running back core, uh, Johnny, with James White, Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, and the gang. How do you see this shaking out and who are you trusting with? Maybe not season long. Let's talk about just this game. Who do you want to go with this? Even in this game, I'm not starting any of them. And that might sound kind of crazy, uh, but I rewatched the New England game against Miami. And I was paying attention to what they were doing with their running backs uh, specifically. Um, they are going to run the ball a lot because that's what do. Oh my God. This is going to be so wild because it was just comical at how genius the offensive scheme is for new England. And even the wrinkles that they have that are like, if teams, cause Miami, they were like, okay, well we'll figure Like we figured it out. Like if you guys are just going to run with cam, we'll just do this. And then it was just like, okay, well, what we're going to do to counter that is just add one more wrinkle to it and make you think about uh, Cam possibly you know, throwing a screen here and as well. It's just it's wild. It's really fun. Uh, and it's just like, wow, these guys are really good at what they do. Um, but when it comes to the running backs, it's all over the place. You'll um, they they will oftentimes uh, they'll give an entire series to a certain running back. So it might come out and it'll be, you know, James uh, or Sony Michelle's drive right but they'll you know it's not always guaranteed going to be that one and only running back in certain downs they could bring in rex burkhead they can bring you know jj taylor all of a sudden got a few drives in here you know carried the ball four times for 28 yards um i am just they're they're just mixing and matching to whatever will win a football game and you know it works because they'll win the football game but that's not how you win fantasy and it won't help you win fantasy football games so uh, it's unfortunate, but I am not touching any of these guys. In fact, if I can sell high on Tony Michelle right now because he had the touchdown and you might be able to say, hey, I got the goal line work, all that, I would I would get rid of Sony. I don't want the headache on my, on my teams. Like you're going to just be like, who do I start? I don't know. Like James White, we thought was the most consistent one or the easiest one, but even he had only I also don't think that that targets. game shaped up. I don't think that that game shaped up for a James White game, though, right? So, I mean, like, for me, I think James White will still have games where he's going to be useful in games like maybe this game where they're underdogs and they're going to need to be throwing to keep up with uh, Seattle if they let Russ cook. I think this actually is a sneaky James White game. 
Yeah, uh, James White, and then you know I think uh, Rex Burkhead being healthy there also limits James White. J- James White's upside. I think they use him as a pass catcher, versatile uh, Swiss Army knife. Um, so you know Johnny's point, the the point that he was making is like this this volume is going to be too split. I know James White is the main primary pass catching back, but it's still going to be split, and I don't think Cam's going to check it down as often. Um, and I was watching uh, the game as well, and you just see this this. Uh, Lamar Jackson esque, you know, where they're they're using play action, but Cam's holding the ball on the running back's stomach for longer just to pull the linebackers in a little bit deeper down, and then kind of take like, off. And like, is there anybody yet. better at holding that ball than Cam? Cam Newton on the read option? I mean, Lamar Jackson yeah. might be. Lamar Jackson's pretty fluid yeah. with it, but Cam is Cam is special, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see. But the one thing I will say, it's concerning that Miami was still in the game that late in the game where I think that Seattle, their offense is going to just overpower well, New England because I think they're still getting on the page, like the same page, you know, yeah, I think the, they're still learning. Yes, I know, because you had, you had, you know, the, the turnover uh, that Nikhil Kill Harry had the touchback. So that would have been, if that would have went through at that point, the, the score of the game would have been 21 to three and it would have been a completely different game. But that turnover there caused uh, the, uh, Miami to get the ball and then Miami went down and scored got a two-point conversion and all of a sudden it was 14 to 11 as opposed to 21 to 3 so I there there you just yeah, have to be careful with one, one final point on the James White thing uh only JJ Ta- Taylor had another target out of the backfield than James White Rex Burkhead saw zero targets Tony Michelle saw zero targets uh James White saw three so I understand the concern that maybe Rex Burkhead will get more involved in the in the passing game. I still think James White is a hold for me. I want to see a, a different game script for New England and see how James White is used in that, um, sure. because we didn't see anything kind of more consistent um, out of the out of the pass catchers. So that's what we'll move on to here. Summy is the pass catchers: Julian Edelman, uh, Nikhil Harry. How do you see this shaking out, uh, especially in this matchup? Yeah, I think uh, Julian Edelman, if you drafted him, you got him in like the eighth, ninth round. I mean, he was a super discount, and we see why. You know, he's just going to be a floor play every week. He's not going to have the upside that he did with Brady. Uh, he's going to see his eight to ten targets a week, but they're not going to be as effectively placed, and, you know, he's not going to be able to have as much yak as he did uh, in years past. Uh, Nikhil Harry, I think the breakout is real. I think, you know, if he didn't fumble, we would be talking differently about him. Uh, I think, you know, he can break out. He has that prototypical body that Cam loves, that big body in the red zone, you know. So he's going to love throwing to Nikhil Harry, even if he can't separate. I think Nikhil Harry is good enough to go out, go, go up and get it. Well, that's um, the just, style you want for Nikhil Harry. Yeah. I mean, he's a contested catch master. Just throw it up, you know, just trust the receiver. But Demir Bird, his involvement was actually pretty surprising. And I think that just goes back to, you know, their chemistry, Cam and Demir's. Um, I, that'll probably, you know, get reduced as 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 the season goes on. Uh, but this this offense is just devoid of weapons, and I think Cam's going to be the centerpiece in this offense. So fire him up, no matter what. Uh, the tight ends, I'm not too interested in though. Uh, Devin Asiasi, uh Dalton Keene is injured, I believe. Uh, I think it was a neck a neck injury or or something like that. But no targets here for the tight ends, which is weird. But maybe maybe they'll two change. Target. They got two targets total, which not good. Was it? Was it Ryan Izzo that yeah, got the targets? Yeah, Izzo got two, and that was it. Um, that was he it. Caught, yeah. He caught one for 25 yards, and that was it. Uh, it was a play action. Surprise, surprise. Right to the Izzo. <laughs> All right, moving on to the last game on the slate. The Las, Ve- the Las Vegas Raiders will open up the Death Star and host the New Orleans Saints in Las Vegas's first game, the Desert. I'm excited. I'm excited to see... 
Yeah, I'm Roomba, excited. Yeah. To, I'm excited to see that stadium and see what it looks like. Uh, you know, give the Raiders you know, talk crap about the Raiders all you want. Love their colors. I love their swag as an organization, and I think it's going to be really cool to see that stadium open up. This is a 50.5 over under. Not that big of a spread for a pretty decent high, decently high over under. Uh, five and a half is the spread here, uh, with obviously New Orleans favored in this one. Johnny, hallelujah, right? Josh Jacobs getting some targets here out of the backfield. Four for six for 45 yards. This is not an easy draw facing a tough New Orleans defense, but if he continues to see that passing game work, you're excited there. Yeah, you're definitely firing up Josh Jacobs. You're you're getting him in your lineup. There's there's no question about no it. No question about that. But the question comes in about these wide receivers because we saw some really promising signs out of Henry Ruggs, right, Johnny? Yeah, you really like what you saw from Henry Ruggs. He showed that you know big playability, uh, instant connection with Derek Carr, and you saw the nice touch on the deep ball, which Derek Carr has had a very nice uh, touch his entire career. That's what he's been very good at. So uh, if there is a wide receiver that you're starting for on the monitor, because Henry Ruggs does have the ankle right now, uh, so keep that monitored. But uh, Ruggs would be that guy. Brian Edwards, really disappointing uh, game uh, Game one. Uh, you can go ahead and drop him, I believe, uh, if you are in like a, a, a redraft league. I mean, Darren Waller was a guy I wasn't too fond of, but uh, drafting because you where you had to take him. But he seems to fit right back in. 2019, Darren Waller equals 2020. Darren Waller, eight targets, six catches, 45 yards. Really nothing to see here, right, on the Darren Waller side of things. Yeah, I was on the same boat as you. I was a lot lower than consensus on Darren Waller heading into the season just because of all the draft capital they spent on these receivers. And, you know, they brought in Nelson Aguilar. They were vowing to give Jalen, uh, I'm sorry, Josh Jacobs more touches in the passing game. So I was just like, where the hell is Darren Waller's volume going to come from? You know, is he going to repeat? But now, I mean, you see these injuries starting to happen and, and, and things are kind of shaking his way. So I do like Darren Waller going forward. And I do think he'll he'll maintain the 2019 volume that he did see. The one thing I just did, did want to mention with Josh Jacobs, like, yeah, we're happy that we saw that he saw six targets. You know, this is the volume that we wanted to see. But I'm concerned with like the this next couple like games coming up for for yeah, Las Vegas. Right? So you have New Orleans this week, then you are at New England, then you're at home against Buffalo, then you're at KC, then you're at home against Tampa Bay. Like some of those run defenses are pretty stout. Like I, I'm curious to see if Jalen Richard starts getting involved and, in, you know, those those closer, more competitive games, you know, with KC, with New Orleans, especially this week, like does Jalen Richard start funneling out targets from Josh Jacobs? So I'm going to be watching that very closely. Uh, but outside of Jacobs and, and uh, Darren Waller, I'm not really looking to start anyone in this offense. On the other side of the ball, the big news for the New Orleans Saints is Michael Thomas injured, likely to miss multiple weeks with a high ankle injury or a high ankle sprain. Johnny, what are you looking for outside of this Michael Thomas injury in the passing game? Is it Emmanuel Sanders? Is it Traquan Smith? Maybe even Jared Cook? How are you seeing this shake out? So I think Emmanuel Sanders gets a big bump here. I think that uh, he'll get more targets. They have like Traquan Smith. He's had a great camp. They actually gave him the uh, the uh, for training camp. So I'm I'm interested in see to see what Traquan does here. Um, but I'm not starting him. Uh, if I'm going to start any wide receiver, it would be Emmanuel for them. Uh, but I think Jared Cook also gets a nice uptick here as well. I think that they'll throw to him more. Um, and I actually, so if, if out of the pass catchers, I'm more confident in Jared Cook. 
I mean, I know you, you wanted to kind of bring up Deontay Harris here. Speak a little bit about Deontay Harris, if you think he's worth a, kind of a stash or at least a flag. At, at... Yeah, uh, so if you if you look at Traquan, right, like, I mean, Traquan ran, let me just pull up the numbers here. If you, if you look at the snap data, it's concerning because, like, Traquan's never happened, right? We've wanted him to happen for how long now? For about, this is his third year this in the league? This is third year. So he want, he's and... pulling a Devontae Parker. So if you look at Traquan Smith, he played on 65% of snaps, which is more than Emmanuel Sanders, but he saw like, what was it, one target or two targets, right? Like, but then Deontay Harris, who played on seven snaps total on offense, saw just as many targets. And I think a reason for that is because like Drew Brees, you see they pulled him out for Taysom Hill to throw a deep shot. Like Drew Brees' arm just, it's fried. It's not there. Like if they're going to make it, if they're going to make a deep playoff run, it's it's going to be on the back of this defense, and it's going to be, you know, once they get Michael Thomas back, that's you know this offense is going to go back to the way it used to be. But I think it's pretty thin behind Drew Brees, so I'd be concerned about like New Orleans having the ability to move the ball as effectively as they can, unless just like everything goes to Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara. You know, outside of that, Emmanuel Sanders, sure, but. I don't think Trey Quanzo. Well, Smith's I think I think Sanders at least has the ability to kind of backfill some of what MT does, uh, as far as like the shallow crossing, the right. possession receiving, the plot route. So I will say this offense is going to funnel through Alvin Kamara and Jared Cook, but with some ancillary Emmanuel Sanders as we get going here. And I would agree with you that I think that Drew's arm is probably a little shot, and they want to play more, uh, you know, to the defense and and possession ball which is why I think Latavius Murray is interesting. If you pooped up Latavius Murray and you were not the Alvin Kamara owner, I like you to keep on him because I think he could actually continue to see an expanded Mark Ingram role that we saw a couple of years ago where this offense really goes more run heavy, especially with the Michael Thomas. So that would be my take on late Latavius Murray. I think if you have him, stash him. Yep. Well, boys, we did it. That's it. That's all 16 games for this week's slate. Uh, we walked, we rocked through it, and we went over every fantasy-relevant storyline that you need to help you, Whisper Nation, win your week. For Johnny Game Time Hicks, for Summy, I am Big Travi, and we are the Fantasy Whispers. You're out. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.